Cue the talent. There it is. Hey, it's the Robert Scabell Show. Unexpectedly. Oh my gosh, he's outdoors. What happened? Well, I'll get to that in a little while, but this show um, is going to be one of my favorites. I'm already knowing it because, of course, Jonathan Emore's here to do the Sacred Fire of Liberty with me. There's so many things that are happening. Uh, man, in fact, I haven't read one of them. <laughs> I've, I've been out mountain biking this morning, uh, doing other shows, podcasts, and uh, uh, training stuff. And then an hour or two, I'm just going to say this. My good friend, Joni Abbott, finally coming back to the Robert Scott Bell Show. She has been on a personal healing journey that is extraordinary. And I've been so anxious and excited to, to finally get her back on the show to share her journey because it's profound and I think it will impact a lot of people uh, significantly in a really in a really empowering way. But first and foremost, uh, there's a Supreme Court decision about the Second Amendment and the people of New York, do they have the right to keep and bear arms or do they have to plead special permission requests to New York State government? Jonathan Emore has got a lot to say about that and a whole lot more. So thanks for being here. Share the show. We're still banned on Facebook Live, apparently. So tell them, robertchatbell.com slash listen. Share it, and we'll get this healing, even healing politically. Party started right about now. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. For COVID funding going into the fall, uh, how much of the supply of vaccines for these small children uh, is there and, and how many of the nation's kids will you be able to get vaccinated before you need more money uh, from Congress? Well, we'll get through at least this year. We, we do need more money, but we don't just need more money for vaccines for children eventually. We need more money to plan for the second pandemic. There's going to be another pandemic. We have to think ahead. And that's not something the last outfit did very well. That's something we've been doing for fairly well. That's why we need the money. Another pandemic is coming, according to Joe Biden. Now, is he uh, an actor, accurate prognosticator of the future? Or is it just uh, his handlers are saying, look, the first one wasn't good enough. We got to get more of these people jabbed. We got to frighten them with a new claim or proclamation of a viral issue that the people can't deal with, with critical thinking skills, with local doctors responding to actual symptoms, managing and getting them through that. Instead, a lockdown, a shutdown, send me more money. We'll get your kids jabbed. What does Biden know that we don't know? I would argue nothing except what he's being told to know or say. Jonathan Emord, I got to ask you the question. What is he referring to when he says the next pandemic? Well, um, he, of course, derives his power from a pandemic. He's able to do things that he can't do otherwise with people afraid. Mm -hmm. So, first of all, it's wholly irresponsible because no one knows when and if there will be another pandemic. It's predictable that there may be a pandemic because China created SARS-1 and they also created this one. And so they might as well create a third. It's predictable that they will. But rather than deal with it as one should, as a strategic issue mm -hmm. uh, with China, uh, he instead says, oh, no, no, let's just hunker down and let's have the government uh, receive massive amounts of new funding for the purpose of investing in a to-come pandemic, which is, of course, wholly irresponsible. There isn't a pandemic other than COVID. Uh, and that doesn't even exist right now either. 
and he can't predict a future pandemic. No one can. Um, maybe uh, Fauci- unless they're unless they're perpetrating it. Right. So Fauci might be making yet another one. Mm-hmm. Um, he he recently testified before Congress that he absolutely would not cut off funding to China um, for uh, uh, bio um, biological research on uh, essentially gain of function research. Mm-hmm. So that treason continues. Um, but responsible people would stop it if there's a change in the House and Senate. Maybe that'll happen. Mm-hmm. So much for Biden. Um, every time he opens his mouth, he puts an enormous shoe in it and smashes his face. Um, <laughs> now he has an additional reason to have a large shoe, I suppose, or set of shoes because his current shoe size doesn't fit into his bicycle um, uh, very well. So he, he he trips and falls there. He's yeah. a, he's a he's a disgrace for the United States and for the world, really. I I would have to agree, and it's not a hard, a hard thing to agree with. It's just unfortunate that he's there at this point. But whether he's there or another Democrat that was running is there or Kamala, it's a disaster at this point. They're completely beholden to interests that are not those of the United States or its people. And uh, as he asked for more money for more shots for kids that are not needed, by the way, there is no emergency. There's never been an emergency for children in COVID. Uh, we're looking at the only governor right now that is standing up and saying at least some semblance of truth to Sanders in Florida going, you know, we're not we're not going to buy it. Florida State, we're not going to uh, support distribution of it. And if you want it, you could still get it. But we're not going to do it because he knows better. And yet, uh, well, interestingly enough, Publix, a major grocery chain down out of Florida, has said it's not going to apparently administer those shots to young children. Uh, that's. I think due to the courage of DeSantis, I don't think a corporation would come out and take the heat for not providing it uh, to their distribution outlet through their pharmacy. So I'm impressed by what's happening because DeSantis is standing strong on something that I think is very significant, protecting children legitimately. It's an outrage, Robert. They're going to, the risks vastly exceed the benefits in children. And so they're going to subject all children in this country to these risks and many are going to be irreparably injured. It is child abuse. Yeah, parents stand strong. We know that the Kaiser survey has said that 80% are not interested really all that much, if at all, to get this jab for their infants. And remember the unscientific aspect of 25 micrograms for a six-month-old, for a one-year-old, for a two-year-old, for a three-year-old, for a five-year-old. Tell me the difference. If anybody's been a parent, you know the difference between a six-month-old and a five-year-old. How do you give the same dose to each of those children. It just, and and again, calling out doctors, if you're participating in this scheme, uh, you're on the wrong side of medicine in this, in this place, in this point in time in history, and you're going to have to do a lot of penance in this life or the next. Yes, indeed, Robert. Yeah. So uh, briefly, I know we want to cover the Supreme Court decision on, on uh, second amendment. It's a big one. And I know you have a lot to say on it. I just want to give everybody a heads up as to why I'm outdoors. I have told Super Don that I wanted to do some outdoor broadcasting in the summer. And and it, it, it wasn't planned for today. I promise you. I, I went out this morning uh, early. I met a, a medical doctor, a buddy of mine. Um, and we went up. Great mountain bike ride. Got back and had to turn around and do an interview with another podcaster and then a training. And then I'm going down to get ready for the show. And uh, we've got a great one. We already do with Jonathan E. More than Joni Abbott. And lo and behold, my uh, computer for my uh, studio, uh, everything, 
uh, is stuck and it won't turn on. I rebooted it three times in a row and it wasn't going on. So I triaged and realized I'm going to have to set up my remote broadcasting equipment outside to get this done. And I did it in world record time. You'll have, you'll be happy to know with very few minutes remaining, we got on and got ready to go live. And as you can see, it's washed out. It's so bright behind me uh, that I am not operating from, you know, the third heaven or something right now that I'm aware of, <laughs> but it's a beautiful day and I'm going to, I'm going to have to tough it out, uh, Jonathan, by broadcasting from outdoors. Well, that's your public excuse, Robert. Uh, those of you, those who know him well understand that his wife and his kids kicked him out. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, they wanted to be able to be noisy. And, you know, when we do this show, if I'm up in the main areas of the house, that's not working. That's why I have my own studio, basement studio. So now I'm outdoors and the only thing that could bother me are birds, perhaps. Uh, if they dive bomb my head, that'll be a, a, a hoot for you guys to watch. But it won't be fun for me. The rare Utah mosquito might get you, Robert. Yeah, yeah, no, that they're nothing compared to back east or in Minnesota where the mosquitoes. Or some wild Karen could run by, Robert. Some wild Karen could run by. That is true. That is true. Uh, although they're they're far few and far between where I am, thankfully. Uh, shout out to my friend Dr. Ray Andrew out of Moab, and uh, he he just like was so nice. He brought up his uh, carbon fiber bike. It's like I can't go back to my aluminum bike anymore. I'm spoiled. Yet I look at the prices of even used carbon fiber bikes, Jonathan. It's like what I used to pay for a car. It's insane. Thank you again, Federal Reserve, uh, for contributing to inflation to the point that you make things that are wonderful so expensive. You think, could I really get that? Yeah. Well, Robert, be careful. Just be mindful if there's a Biden nearby on a bike. He could spontaneously combust or fall off his bike in front of you that at was- any in time that is true i was i was nervous for for tripping on a biden bike uh i made it through and it, you know it's interesting about this and i know this is an aside before we get into the supreme court decision you know i train uh more boxing uh and and, and that is what they call interval training right where you do intensity and then you're off for a little bit you do intensity off for a little bit so this morning i go on a bike ride where it's uh like 30 minutes straight 20 to 30 minutes straight you're going uphill now, it's, it's a gradual ascent with occasional steeper ascents. And so I'm like, this is not interval. This is solid, consistent, push, push, push. And the first time up, and I thought that would only be one time up, about three quarters of the way up, I had to stop. And I was breathing deeply. It was about 6,000 feet elevation. So it was less oxygen. I get it. But I'm like, oh, man, I'm not used to this consistent. There's no break. Just keep going. Just keep going. Got to the top, had a beautiful ride down, starting to get my bike legs under me because I haven't done that in a while. And then Dr. Ray, he asked, you want to go up again? I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to go up again. Uh, I was hurting the first time. I did okay. And I said, oh, do we have enough time? He looks at his car. Yeah, we have enough time. I'm like, darn it. We have enough time. So I said, okay. The second time up, Jonathan, I had already adjusted. And I just cruised. It was faster the second time up. My body seemingly needed to adapt and warm up, which I'm not used to for that kind of ride. So I thought it was kind of interesting to apply one form of exercise to another. Don't kid yourself. The first time out might be hard, but the second time will be better. Robert, you're a beast. (laughs) It was a great ride this morning. So thank you for indulging me and sharing that story. There's more pictures to come. I haven't showed you yet, but that's another time. So Jonathan, the Supreme Court weighed in on apparently a, 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 a challenge to New York state law that makes you have to plead your case to be able to have a firearm and carry it. Like you have to be under extreme duress, some kind of threat. 
and somebody challenged it. Can you fill in the blanks and gaps of what happened here? Yeah, yeah. so New York passed a law many, many years ago that imposed a what's called a proper cause requirement as a condition of having a firearm outside the home. And uh, what that meant was that you had to show that you had a need for a firearm that was in excess of self-defense. That is, a general need of self-defense was insufficient. You had to show some peculiar need to have the weapon, and bureaucrats had to decide that uh, that constituted a proper cause before you could actually possess a weapon outside. So the Supreme Court struck down that law. Justice Thomas wrote the decision for the court. It's a fantastic decision. It adds to Heller and McDonald, the two prior precedents that established a right, uh, clearly a Second Amendment right inside the home. Uh, this one extends it to outside the home. It also makes very clear that the Second Amendment is not to be construed in a manner different from other individual rights protected under the Constitution by the amendments. So it can't be construed in a manner fundamentally different from, say, the First Amendment, such that there could be any burden shifting where you'd have to prove your need to, to have to a gun. Really? Right. Well, yeah. I think about the First Amendment. Right. And yeah. then in addition, to, in addition to that, one of the critical factors, uh, facets of this decision is that they rejected interest balancing. Mm -hmm. So they, they dropped what had previously been considered a second part test uh, where they would look at the government's interest. Uh, the court said, nope, that's not what we do under the Second Amendment. Under the Second Amendment, we look at tradition. We look at whether or not there had been a uh, pre-existing tradition respected by the founding fathers concerning a degree of regulation over a firearm. If not, then there is no basis. If so, then it must fit within that tradition. Mm. So the court has rightfully construed the Second Amendment consistent with what the Founding Fathers intended the Second Amendment to do. Mm -hmm. And clearly the Founding Fathers did not understand the Second Amendment freedom of the right to bear arms uh, to disable someone from protecting themselves in public. Uh, and the right to bear arms is ubiquitous. The Second Amendment doesn't cabinet according to location. Mm -hmm. Does this impact New York in, in terms of concealed carry, open carry, or both? Well, I think it, I think it may because uh, another round of challenges could be brought on the concealed carry regulations because the right to bear arms the court has recognized is uh, indistinguishable from the home context to the public context. And so whether you are have it on your person concealed or not um, is really uh, irrelevant to your right. You have a right to possess it. Uh, that is, you have a right to bear arms. And not only that, you have a right to keep and bear arms. The right to keep arms is one that is open to your discretion as to how you keep them. Mm -hmm. And uh, with regard to, to bearing them, you have a right to bear them, which suggests that you may keep them in, in, in a disclosed manner until such time as you wish to bear them for a particular purpose. Now, what is clear from the precedent from the history is, is the court uh, re references this, is, is that if your intention, apparent intention is to terrorize by, uh, by, by brandishing a weapon in a public space, then that is not protected by the Second Amendment. So, for example, if you start 
randomly waving that pistol in someone's face or at someone or at a group of people and making threatening statements and so forth. You are clearly exceeding your Second Amendment right, uh, just as you would under the First Amendment if you were to commit an act of defamation where you uh, impugn someone's honesty, character, integrity with false statements, the false statements would not be protected. The, the abuse of your liberty to, to keep and bear arms is not protected either under the Second Amendment. So um, <clears throat> that that's all um, indicated in this decision, well written by Justice Thomas on behalf of the court. And uh, it, was a, it was a significant decision. It's going to last for a for our lifetime, 6-3 decision. Uh, so it's a very strong decision in favor of the right to keep and bear arms. Now, it, it occurs to me as I've been observing the states that have passed or reinitialized the, I think, the true meaning and intent of the Second Amendment to allow for, if you will, or not intercede when a person wants to carry both open and concealed without asking permission of the government. This is what has been now called constitutional carry. And a, a number of states have uh, uh, come on board within the last few years that, that I thought, did they know something about what was coming down at the Supreme Court level? Did they finally figure out that to restrict a right is not the uh, not within the auspices of a constitutional government as, as it's written well, and enumerated? Well, Congress apparently did not get the message because just a few hours ago, uh, the Congress um, has cleared the way for uh, President, President Biden to sign a gun control legislation that will violate the rights of law-abiding citizens and make it more difficult for them to uh, possess a weapon. And I think under this precedent that was decided today by the court, there's a good possibility that at least parts of this uh, new act will be held unconstitutional under the Second Amendment. Yeah, it says uh, uh, the Senate unveils language of gun control deal expands background checks, expands prohibited purchases. Uh, what is it really saying? What is it really doing? I mean, the idea of uh, the ability to acquire a firearm, I, I believe in my personal experience, does not require permission of the government. Uh, I do not do anything illegal with a firearm, and I'm not going through their stupid background checks, and I've not done harm to anyone with a firearm. So yeah, what if follow the court's logic from the decision today, then uh, the imposition of a prior restraint on your ability to possess a weapon is unconstitutional under the Second Amendment. Mm -hmm. They may not impose a broad prior restraint on your right to possess a weapon. That would be analogous to the First Amendment right for which uh, your freedom to speak is not uh, to be violated by the government imposing a restriction on your right to speak as mm -hmm. a condition preceding to your ability to speak. Likewise here, restrictions that would be imposed on law-abiding citizens under these statutes would be presumptively unconstitutional under the Second Amendment because there is really no foundation in the history tradition of the uh, of the uh, founding fathers um, uh, to allow for a prior restraint on the right to own uh, a weapon or to uh, be able to to have it available to defend yourself in public or private. So uh, I, I would think that law-abiding citizens affected by this could sue. Uh, mm -hmm. There are some real troubling aspects of this that invite government overreach and invite the exercise of broad, unbridled discretion by government officials. Um, it promotes red flag laws, which are gross prior restraints on the right to uh, bear arms. In the end, the real issue is the law makes it clear 
you're innocent until you're proven guilty under the under our system of jurisprudence under the 14th amendment uh under the uh criminal laws uh of the country all the way back to the time of the founding fathers you're innocent until proven guilty as a consequence you can't be presumed to be likely to commit a criminal offense or a felony mm -hmm. uh, based on characteristics that you have now uh, the solution to the problem is rapid effective interdiction and prosecution uh, and conviction uh, of those who are engaged in crimes with, with weapons. Um, and you can improve the safety of schools mm -hmm. by enabling an armed uh, teaching force or... Absolutely, yes. Uh, or Having an or, actual deterrent to those that would violate any gun law the Democrats pass, much less in conjunction right. with rhinos like that would, be, that would be the only true way to reduce the risk of violence inside a school from a shooter. Because if you if you restrict the availability of weapons, that does nothing but enhance the ability of those who are who are bonkers to kill other kids in Take school. Take defenseless people. Yeah. So you need uh, the law abiding to be armed, and that to be so ubiquitous that. Those who are criminal have to think twice, three times, or not uh, entertain the notion at all before they brandish a weapon and threaten other people. One of the nice things about the right to bear arms is that it's a great equalizer. It prevents the uh, criminal from having free reign because the criminal has to realize, as they many, many do in Texas, that if you brandish a weapon and uh, want to threaten somebody, there's likely somebody in, in, in a group that will be possessed of a weapon who will fire and shoot and kill you before you can get the rounds off to kill innocent people. So, so many people believe that if you own or want to own a firearm, you must be a criminal. You must want to use it in an illicit or legal manner. And, and, and I liken that to, uh, gosh, the, the liberal left that I was uh, interacting with when back in Florida uh, that we, got it. I mean, it's Florida, right? I know they got DeSantis as governor, but there's a lot of crazies there that don't uh, have a perspective that guns are more often used in defense of life and liberty and property than to take them. And yet I, get, I went out west and relocated. And the first thing we did was we, uh, we found a, a, a firearm that my son wanted, and he was of age to be able to get it and interacted with, guess what? An off-duty police officer who was selling a private firearm to him. And the police officer, unlike in other areas of the country, did not look at my son as a criminal, but as an American who wanted to defend himself and, and conduct himself in, in a good manner and measure, and there was no issue there. And I'm thinking, that was a police officer that sold that privately. And if, if the Democrats and the rhinos had their way, they would make it impossible for anybody to have a private sale engagement in that regard uh, to uh, acquire something for self-defense. And this is something as well. You mentioned prior restraint of the First Amendment. Think of it this way. If, if the government said of New York or elsewhere, we are not going to let you speak out on your chosen discussion topic unless there is a existential or essential need for you to do so. We don't well, you know uh, Governor Hochul of New York, uh, Hochul oftentimes speaks hokum. So Hochul yeah. is a good name for Hochul. Hochul sure. she, she's a hokum advocate. Yeah. Anyway, she, uh, she said something that was reminiscent of Biden's brilliant comment, quote unquote, uh, that 
Americans during the founding era were uh, not allowed to have cannons. Um, yeah. They were they were allowed to have cannons. Yeah. Um, and the, she made this statement that, oh well, if you were to look to the founding fathers for what they would have protected, it would have just been uh, muskets. Completely oblivious to the fact that long rifles were actually used throughout the revolution, mm -hmm. uh, revolutionary war to great effect against the British. Um, and so the idea that you would be limited to, uh, and that they also had, of course, pistols. Mm -hmm. So they had pistols, they had long rifles, they had muskets, they had cannons, and they had explosive incendiary type of devices too. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, all of this, uh, when it comes to the right to bear arms, the term arms was understood to embrace uh, a sidearm. Yeah, all a, manner of, of, of firearms, a, right? A long arm, a sword, uh, a stiletto. I mean, other devices that were used to arm you mm -hmm. in defense against others or against enemies of the state, of a free state. So she's completely up in the night. But I like that because it comes on the heels of Biden's, Biden's idiocy. Now Hochul produces her own hokum, which is that only muskets were intended to be protected, despite the fact that arms at the time included very clearly long rifles. Yeah, well, and, and just I try, trying to make an analogy about for those that think it's legitimate for the government to restrict a right of self-defense, how, how well do you do with the restriction of the right of freedom of speech? Like, well, you need a special permit to speak out about that. And, and we have to sh be sure it's an essential, something special that you need to speak out about that. Of course, another way of saying uh, that we get the discretion, we the deciders uh, in government get the discretion to decide what is important and what is not taking away your freedom to make that determination. And um, it, it, is, it is simply an unacceptable level of regulation, as Justice Thomas made clear in his decision today, this idea of giving government the power to balance your rights against their interests is not yeah. something that the, the, the balancing act, he said, has already been done mm -hmm. uh, by the founding fathers in the Second Amendment. Yeah. Um, they made the determination that it was your right to keep it in their arms. Does anybody want the government determining what they can say, much less what they can do in defense of their own life, liberty, yeah, and property? There are a bunch of people out there, Robert, that are yeah. saying they want the government to determine what you can say. They're communists, well, they're Marxists, and they're all over the college campuses of the United States. Well, and it's a great disappointment, as I said, uh, when you love liberty, uh, you also defend the liberty of others to believe and live as they see fit, as long as they're not violating the rights of you or others as well in the process. Yet those folks that don't believe in our right of self-defense, speech, etc., would openly call and do openly call for a centralized government bureaucracy to limit and restrict speech and other quote unquote rights that are not granted to us, given to us by the Constitution, but enshrined in them to protect, if you will, if we'll stand up and defend them. Uh, those rights that come from a creator, as we know, that is far greater than government. So Jefferson, so Jefferson put it this way, rightful liberty is unobstructed action according to will mm -hmm. uh, within limits drawn around us by the equal rights of others. He said further, he wrote further, 
I did not say within the limits of the law, because the laws often but the tyrants will, and always so when it violates an individual right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, we're living through it. Um, there are those that are abandoning liberty as fast as they can, unbeknownst to them, perhaps, because they're ignorant of history. Their lives would not be made better by it. They would end up in, in prison just as any of us might be who speak out against the government. That's the naivete of those who would say, yes, let's empower government to do things I want government to do, even if it violates the rights of people I don't like, until guess what? Someone else gets control of that government and does the same thing to you that you like doing to them. That is, you know, I don't know if it's a karmic retribution, but it's inevitable in government. We have a form of government in the United States quite unique on the, on the history of the written history of, of, of the world and government that would first and foremost restrict government acknowledging that the rights are in the within the people because of their very existence and yet we've lost so much of that history so we are doomed to what perhaps repeat the history of other governments whether they be um, communist socialist or whether they be monarchies etc where the king the queen the emperor has all the rights now you see it and you've written about it extensively in the oligarchy that's where they claim direct lineage to some creator that gives them power over you, despite the fact that it was the people in the state that created the federal government, not the other way around. Yes, Robert, that is true. So uh, I'm just out here. I'm looking at a uh, uh, looks like a little tiny silverfish. These little pests out here. I didn't bring my orange guard out with me. Super Don, do you have some orange guard for me? I can get you some delimiting, get rid of this thing. It's crawling over the camera. Robert. <laughs> yes. What? What? Super I don't think I can spray it that well, far. Anyway, Robert, they're your friends. Yes, yes. They're just annoying right now. I don't think I can spray it that far, Robert. Show everybody that this is delimiting. And, and Jonathan, you know about delimiting. You've encountered this before. It's a distillate from the orange peel, right? Oh, yeah. And mm -hmm. it's actually uh, uh, it's an excellent cleaning agent. But in this case, our friend Tor McPartland put together this and went through the EPA. Can you imagine? He survived the EPA and got it approved as a pesticide, despite the fact that it's so safe you can drink it. I sprayed yeah. some in my mouth the other day, much to the sh shock of Superdon, and I lived. <laughs> but, it, it kills totalitarian conceptions on contact, Robert. That's a lovely thing, too, that we didn't know that it had that added. Wow. Yet that another great. benefit there. Huh? Yeah. So did you? Did I send you a picture, Superdon, of me with the orange guard in my greenhouse? You did. I did. Okay. You don't have it, do you? I will momentarily. You're looking at me like, or not you're looking at me, you're looking like you didn't. I was get it I ready. was not prepared for the RSB Orange Guard. But well, you know, I, I was not prepared to do this show at all. So, well, the silverfish was ready. The silverfish was ready. That's true. I'm guessing that's what it is. A oh, little. Robert. There you are, Robert. Can you see oh, that? There it is. Yes. Robert in the garden with the yeah. Orange Guard. So I just wanted to show you because I grow everything equivalent of organic. I don't ask for permission by the federal government to label it organic. I'm not selling it in commerce. But the point is, to, if you do have a bug problem inside of your house or outside your house, I'm encouraging you not to use things like Roundup and glyphosate and toxic poisons. It's things that are so safe. The you know Cats, dogs, birds, they're not going to be harmed by this. You're not going to be harmed by it. Your kids aren't. And that is the Orange Guard. So check out orangeguard.com and uh, pick up some. I think you can even get it at major retailers, but it's it's a great product. I've known about it for years. You and probably I can create it in your garden, Robert. Yeah, I, well, I don't know if I can grow much citrus at this elevation and, and uh, latitude, 
but uh, I go, oh, look, my wife's bringing me some. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spray the camera and then it's not oh, going to look at that. There, That's a huge orange guard. That's as big as your head, Robert. It is. Well, that's not hard. I've got a pea head. So, <laughs> but it's a, it's a large container that you guys can use. There it is in the, the that's in the greenhouse uh, this morning. I took that. We had that picture taken. My wife took that. Thank you, honey. So shout out to everybody. Also upcoming events, a special shout out to our friend G. Edward Griffin, author of Creature from Jekyll Island. He's uh, hosting the Red Pill Expo in Indianapolis, Indiana, and that I will be emceeing that event, speaking at that event. Hope to see you there. And there are virtual tickets, too, if you can't make it over to Indianapolis, July 7th through the 9th. Uh, and that's the next trip coming. In addition to the Health Freedom Expo, that'll be later in October, mid-October, that Jonathan and I and many of our friends will have a reunion. Uh, in uh, Tinley Park outside of Chicago, uh, trinityhealthfreedomexpo.com. Sign up if you want a booth, if you got a product, a service, something that would the, the health freedom crowd would love, just go over to trinityhealthfreedomexpo.com. They've got 100 bucks off just a, another week until July 1st, your booth, and it's so worthwhile. Truly exciting things. Uh, Congressman Dan Burton. Oh, yeah. Speak. He's going to speak uh, about health freedom and about the history of his struggles against the bureaucrats in Washington, how yeah. he used to bat, batter them about uh, quite a bit. That's and then uh, he's also going to present a movie on Mercury. It's a short movie, but on the hazards of Mercury from the University of Calgary, which uh, shows that even minute, uh, you know, minute quantities of Mercury have devastating effect on uh, child children's ne neurological health. Um, yeah. And you know it's 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 a it's a good movie for a lot of people. Everybody should see it. But well, he's a legend, honestly. When you talk about yeah. late twentieth century uh, in government fighting back against the oligarchy, he's one of the few that you can count on maybe one hand that actually was willing to stand up and, and really fight. Absolutely yeah. courageous. Didn't care about all the attacks that came from the left against him. Mm -hmm. He just forged ahead. He's a hero of mine, that's for sure. Is he like in his 80s now at least? Yes, he is. I think he's 83. Wow. Yeah. So, folks, another reason to come to the Health Freedom Expo, to be exposed to real history, still alive, living history, what we've been through, how we got where we are. He was the head of the Government Reform and Oversight Committee, the most powerful committee with oversight over the FDA and Congress. And he used the power of that committee to go after FDA commissioner after FDA commissioner, forcing them to answer for such things as denying kids the right of access to experimental drugs when they were dying from cancer. And they were playing this role of protecting the drug industry from any form of competition, even from competition from the release of drugs to kids who needed them who were dying mm -hmm. from cancer. And he changed a lot of that. He laid the foundation for that uh, right to try law that, that Trump finally got through. Mm -hmm. uh, but he, in so many ways, I mean, he was amazing. Has there been anybody like him since then in Congress uh, looking at oversight at FDA and actually using that position appropriately? The the fellow from uh, Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan has been very good, mm -hmm. and uh, and and uh, Dan likes him very much. Um, you know, but I I got to tell you, I mean, I am so impressed by Dan Burton. I. I think the world of him, and uh, he's a, he's a great American hero. Yeah, he is. He is like uh, you know, if you talk about Ronald Reagan being like George Washington, then Dan Burton was Washington's Lafayette. Mm. He was, uh, you know, absolutely tireless advocate of individual freedom of choice, liberty, and the Constitution. So. 
Well, I would just, so, I'm so looking forward to meeting him again. It's been a while since I think I met him once at one of these <clears> events. And if uh, Dan Burton is indeed, as you say, coming to the Health Freedom Expo, another reason to be there. Also, maybe we can coordinate getting him on this show in preview, you know, of that event at some time between now and October would be amazing. That would be cool. I'll let him know. He's, he's okay. very much interested in spreading the word about how bad uh, even minute quantities of mercury are and how they're all over the place in vaccines and really, uh, you know, pose a danger to youth. So he's, he's big on getting the word out. I'll let him know, Robert. Thank you. And if you're just joining us, it's the Sacred Fire of Liberty Hour, the Robert Scott Bell Show. Although I'm on two hours a day, six days a week, uh, Jonathan doesn't have that much time to be on. So one hour, one hour is all we ask. And most of the time he shows up. Actually, it's great. And we get to do this. It's just a joy to be with you to talk health, freedom, healing, liberty, and more. Uh, body politic, economics, all of that special, special event each week here on the, on the show, robertscottbell.com slash listen. We're still banned on Facebook live apparently. So please tell your friends that normally watch it there. Come on over and join us in the live chat room. I see you guys are making fun of me. They want me to get a flat top haircut, flat top haircut like you, Jonathan. I don't think my hair is, is well, thick enough. I don't it's think my hair good. is thick enough to do that. As you well, can at see. least around, at least uh, cut it very, very, very short where the earphones go over, you know, that yes. thing you know, connecting them so <laughs> right? that it can naturally sit right in there. I'm concerned that my hair comes back after I wear the headphones on top. That doesn't you know, wipe it all out. So uh, I don't know if I'm going to go that route. <laughs> well, if you believe in liberty, you want to liberate your skull from the hair that has cons regulatory constraints. <laughs> and that's what I've done. I did not know my hair had regulatory constraints. Yeah, it, it, it operates very much like uh, federal bureaucrats. It, it really crawls all over the top of your skull. And by <laughs> cutting it back, you're really showing your love for this country by pruning the regulations. I, I, I think that goes against the Samson analogy, though, uh, that I remember biblically about the hair. And but that's true. We don't want, we don't want people to be weakened by it. But yeah, I think um, I think they'll be happy to be to be uh, without hair. All right. Let's talk about Biden's ticking time bomb, the revenge of the lockdown voter. What is this story all about? Well, uh, on the ticking time uh, bomb one, I know that one because I wrote it uh, in town hall. And essentially, here's the problem. There's no question whatsoever that Biden is aware of the fact that fentanyl is pouring through the southern border because he has an open border policy, essentially and that it's causing generations of Americans to lose their lives. I mean, we're talking about upwards of 50 to 70,000 Americans are dying every year from fentanyl overdoses in the age group 18 to 45. It's the leading cause of death in that age group. And that's a direct result of, of Biden doing nothing to stop the Chinese from putting fentanyl into all manner of drugs and, and importing them through the cartels into the United States through the open southern border. That's one example. We, of course, have numerous examples. MS-13, uh, uh, the 18th Street gangs coming through, numerous other gangs coming through that are highly violent uh, and ending up in the cities committing atrocities. Then we have his advocacy of sanctuary cities and so forth. The point is that all of this combined reveals a stark truth about Joe Biden, which is that he uh, is willing to accept that there, that there, his creation of a ticking time bomb in the United States where it will blow up all over the country at different points and under different circumstances. All the terrorists who have come through the southern border, there are now, now uh, uh, oh, hundreds of them that 
were uh, caught, and that means that there are substantial numbers that got away. And uh, among those that they've uh, captured uh, are ones who said that there are networks or cells operating in the United States that they were going to connect with. These are, so when you see these events unfolding in the future, when you see acts of terror, when you see more deaths from fentanyl, when you see more deaths from MS-13, from the 18th Street gangs, when you see victims of sex trafficking, some who will die, when you see victims of uh, all manner of illegal, illicit drugs that have come through the southern border, that is on Joe Biden. And that is his legacy. So his legacy is a ticking time bomb of killing Americans, destroying their property, destroying their rights to life, liberty, and property. That is his legacy. And it's not one that he is unaware of. So you have to ask yourself, who, what type of a person as president of the United States would condone and let alone advance and promote as he is the destruction of the United States, including the, the massacre of Americans as a result of allowing people in who want to destroy us? Who would countenance the destruction of the United States? And the answer is Joe Biden. And that is why he is one of the greatest threats to liberty and to life that we've ever had. And he's sitting in the Oval Office. Yeah, it's a, it's a great disappointment. We're witnessing an acceleration of the decline. Um, we're not naive to say that it was perfect before he arrived. That's not the point. But the point is also to strive for uh, the best that we uh, would acknowledge in our own history and the foundations of this government that would be limiting activity against the freedom of the people. And that has been so far uh, ab ab obliterated and abandoned by Joe Biden's party. Uh, the Republicans, as we see, even like with this thing we discussed earlier about gun control legislation, a num number of Senate Republicans have caved on this issue and are part of the problem. And they need to be replaced just as much as any Democrat needs to be replaced. And on top of that, we'd like to put people in that actually would work toward restricting or eliminating the bureaucratic oligarchy as a, a completely unconstitutional gr overgrowth, cancerous growth of government that goes beyond the enumerated powers uh, that were originally uh, given, even with a number of the amendments that happened afterwards. It's still a, a travesty and atrocity against the freedom of the people. You know, I was talking with a fellow the other day who's a political person in uh, Virginia, and he was telling me, well, you know what? Um, someone with a really strong um, commitment to these principles that you're talking about would not be a very good candidate because you've got to appeal to a broader base of voters. So that means that you need to uh, really water down a lot of these views. Uh, and that's the only way that people can succeed in, in being elected. And he said, so uh, that's what I look for. I look for someone who's more or less going to be elected, hoping that I can get more of what I think is good for the country rather than less. That's the wrong attitude to have in spades. We want principled people in elected office and the people who run need to be people of principle. And if they are willing to water down their views to placate a constituency, they're not the kind of people you want. You want somebody who's bold enough to stand up for your rights, who will defend your rights under the Constitution against any source that is threatening it and who will defend your rights to life and to liberty and to property and will make that the centerpiece of their political future, and they live or die by their defense of liberty. That's the founding fathers principle. They mm -hmm. stake their all on this. They were willing to die for this cause.
They would never have sacrificed those principles. Uh, we would never have had a republic had they done so. Um, we owe it to them. We owe it to every future person in this country, every generation to come, mm-hmm. to stand for these principles that are the bedrock foundations of a free country and, the, and the, really the foundation of all of our wealth, success, and opportunity in this country. And those who are willing to compromise on that have given up the ghost. They're already dead as far as a republic is concerned. They're enemies of liberty. They should not be supported. The idea of compromise is an interesting, if we take an intellectual discussion point, maybe an adult discussion of compromise, I was thinking about in marriage, they say, well, you make compromises in marriage, but you don't compromise the principles of the marriage. Exactly. You know, and so the idea of compromising is different than what they try to tell us. Oh, by, you know, in order to compromise, you have to sacrifice your principles. You have to abandon them. It's like, where did we get this idea that that's compromise? Yeah. Anybody who does not stand for principles, who has no principled position to take is, is a, first of all, is a fraud because that means that no one can, no one can ever count on you. That means the person's inherently dishonest because a true person, someone who has honesty and integrity has principles and those principles, they will not sacrifice under any circumstance. Right. Compromise You're absolutely right, Robert. Compromise goes to a method. Compromise does not go to the foundational principles. The foundational principles are what you are 100% all the time. You know, you're not going to, to allow your children to be sold into slavery or your wife to be sold into slavery or take, take uh, uh, your position that people ought to, you know, that you disagree with them, that, that they ought to have their mouths shut by government. You're not going to compromise to achieve these ends because these ends violate your principles. And, uh, but what, what's shocking to me, and you pointed this out, this is what happened with the second, the violation of the second amendment by Congress today mm-hmm. uh, and, and Mitch McConnell's vacillating position where he's willing to accept infringements on the second amendment you, you, you got to ask yourself, well, what kind of a person would do that when the Second Amendment is clear? It's a foundational principle of this country. You don't violate your constitutional oath to achieve a political objective. Exactly. Exactly. Well said. And I thank you for that, because that level of, uh, let's say, intellectual discussion about things like compromise are, are sorely lacking. So people really are convinced that compromise is about abandoning principle a little bit. No. Not at all. If you have a principle, stand by it, live by it, even die by it, if you will, because that is a foundation for life and you believe it with all of your, let's say, might, but certainly all of your existence. Those are the things we're talking about that are quite different than what we see political expediency of a rhino Republican up there in Congress saying, yeah, we we need to restrict certain aspects of the Second Amendment. It's like, did you ever believe in the right to keep and bear arms as a principle, the right to self-defense as a principle. And if you did, why would you be allowing the chiseling away around the edges of that? Yeah. That tells so me they never had that belief. Had no principles. I mean, I, I doubt very seriously anyone would, would, would seriously defend him as a principled person. He has no right. principles. He, he shifts his position with whatever political wind is coming that's major. And But what I find fascinating is that he will go down in, in, in history as the a modern president who had the least uh, interaction with the press 
answered public questions the fewest times. Mm -hmm. He's ruling like a dictator. He, he wants staged media events and he wants them to glorify or support whatever position he wants to take. He's so incompetent, he's so compromised intellectually that he cannot even communicate a canned message uh, to the public. So they have to limit his exposure to the media to just a few minutes. And it has to be carefully scripted whenever he deviates yeah. as he's done, as he did the other day. I mean, as we were talking about at the start of the program where he starts mm -hmm. talking about a second pandemic. I mean, anyone in their right mind would realize if you go down that road, you are going to create needlessly a massive firestorm of public resentment, hatred, uh, and and political uh, ruin for yourself because mm -hmm. the American people are sick of this pandemic. They don't want uh, the government to come back in and, and reorganize and run their lives again. And people all over the political spectrum are tired of the pandemic and they're tired of being lied to. So you've got, you know, here he is saying, well, you know, we have to plan for another pandemic, one that doesn't even, isn't even on the radar screen yet. We have to plan for it. And the American people understand that to mean we have to take steps to put into place things that will happen with the government taking away your rights so that they can happen expeditiously at the start of anything that we call a pandemic. Yeah, uh, it's just uh, stunning that anybody doesn't, uh, let's say, see this, right? except I know a lot of people living in cognitive dissonance. We are, unfortunately, Jonathan, number one in the world in taking pharmaceutical drugs, FDA-approved drugs, which, you know, there is a small basis for legitimacy when needed. But for the most part, um, there is no such thing as an FDA drug deficiency syndrome. Or made in China. Yeah. And many of them, in fact, are indeed made in China. Uh, so we talk about the media, a media bubble. Uh, apparently, it's real. There's an article here about that. It says the media bubble is real. Study shows massive disconnect between journalists public. I mean, who? Who are these people? I was talking about, you know, prior restraint on speech. If anybody, not that I'm for this, I'm just, this is just a joke, but I would restrain the media because they've all become mouthpieces for global governance, larger centralized bureaucracies. And that is, you know, you want to talk about dangerous speech. If anybody believes it's an ideal thing, that's dangerous. But still, I, I'm not going to restrict their speech. The problem is they're restricting ours or attempting to. Yeah, they're uh, part and parcel of the big tech movement to keep out of the public forum any speech that dissents from primary liberal positions. And that's the antithesis of the First Amendment. These people are supposed to call themselves professional journalists, and they really just behave like propaganda ministers. Mm -hmm. So the bubble is real. We've seen that. They're just literally twisted media members. The real media is happening here on this show. The podcasts that are out there that the average folks that don't have a degree in journalism and, and aren't interested in working for legacy media owned and controlled by just a few major national, multinational corporations, that's where real speech is happening. Also, in your, I hope, in your church, I hope in your in your uh, living room, at your neighborhood, Fourth uh, of July, Independence Day parties, that real speech is happening where you're talking directly about the threat to genuine liberty for ourselves and our posterity that's right now uh, an imminent threat under the Biden administration. And uh, we'll see what happens in the midterms. 
Again, that was the question I had about this article at Brownstone Institute for you. It's called Revenge of the Lockdown Voters. We just had Jeffrey Tucker on from the Brownstone Institute. He's right now at the uh, Porcupine Fest, Pork Fest in New Hampshire, the Libertarian Festival there where my son is with the Goldbacks. And uh, pretty, pretty profound intellectual honesty about that Brownstone Institute and what they're putting out. Yeah, great institution, that's for sure, Robert. And I'm very grateful for them. So it looks like uh, if we're talking about the lockdown voters, are we talking about the folks that feel disenfranchised from the last election? I think what we're seeing uh, grow is a new constituency, a new political constituency comprised of people who are demanding that government defend their rights and dismantle the state that Joe Biden has created. Mm -hmm. I think what Joe Biden has successfully done is alienate virtually every part of uh, the, America, uh, with the exception of the radical fringe. And even those guys are grossly uh, uh, alienated by Biden on the point of his e lack of efficacy. So the far left wants another person instead of Biden to run. And uh, the rest of America is so sick of Biden that we want to get rid of him as a president and get, get him out in 2024. And there really is no future for Biden. I, I just don't see it happening. When it comes to who they're looking for, I think there's this new constituency building that's a majority of the population, voting age population that is looking for, for, for defense of their rights and uh, protection for property rights so that you can have access to gasoline and you can have access to oil, home heating oil and you can have production of it in the United States and the costs of gas and oil can go down and inflation can be arrested and a supply side emphasis and all of these things that make sense that have practical utility and actually will bring about an arrest to inflation and a reduction in inflation and a restoration of markets and, and a restoration of the American success story, the American dream. These are appealing to a broad constituency uh, of uh, Americans from other countries, including uh, Mexican-Americans uh, and Americans from Latin countries writ large who've come here for an opportunity society that they're disappointed to see Biden taking away. There is the suburban mom who's now greatly offended by the deprivation of parents' rights in the schools on a Marxist agenda. There are uh, parents writ large who are offended by this emphasis on gender fluidity and sexualizing children as early as preschool. There is a huge uh, rejection of Biden's open border policy. There's a huge rejection of Biden's uh, um, refusal to uh, champion American uh, oil and gas internationally such that we could uh, replace Russia instead of allowing Russia to turn simply to China and to uh, India for t taking up the slack on Europe. Um, you know, in other words, there are, part, there are parts of offended constituencies who have been richly offended by Joe Biden, neglected by Joe Biden, and, and victimized by Joe Biden who are now forming a new Republican Party uh, constituency. It's 75% of independents are leaning Republican and uh, even upwards of 30% of Democrats, who historic Democrats are, are going Republican and there's near unanimity of upwards of 
of Republicans who are advocates of these same types of principles. So we're ending up with a new coalition that is overwhelmingly powerful. We'll sweep in Republicans to the House and Senate in 2022, and we'll probably usher in a Republican president in 2024. It's hard to consider a scenario where a, a strong Republican candidate would not win in 2024 for the White House. Well, unless they uh, monkey with the election process, which again, there are serious questions that haven't been answered. Uh, I don't know. Have you seen the documentary 2000 Mules yet? And some of the things that were alleged in there uh, it just is an absolute mess. And uh, you think about the history of Americans going into what they call third world nations to monitor elections to see that they're free and fair. I, I don't want that to have to be reversed. But, dude, we got to watch like a hawk what's happening there. Yeah, when you move away from in-person voting and you have uh, voting boxes and you have uh, mail-in ballots, you get into this area of fraud and it's very hard to ultimately prove. Uh, but, you know, what that movie has done is show that at least there were a network of individuals who are committing fraud with the voting boxes. And the extent of it is difficult to ascertain. No. Whether or not any individual vote was fraudulently cast is very hard to prove. But there's no question but that there were people who were part of a network that was interstate uh, who were working to put into ballot boxes large numbers of, of ballots, even in states where they were limited to one ballot per person in those voting boxes. So there's fraud afoot, and we've seen prosecutions for fraud. There have been some successful ones. Uh, the real question is, what is the actual provable extent of it? That's the problem. So in the future, we have to make it more difficult to commit fraud in voting and easier to prove fraud when it happens. And that means getting back to in-person voting uh, or if you have an absentee voting system, one that has a very good set of checks that ensures that the yeah. person is who the person says they are. Or alive. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's not asking for much, y'all. All right, Jonathan, we're about out of time. Sacred Fire of Liberty Hour. What a great hour. Thank you for carrying it for me as I barely could be here for the show based on what happened technologically uh, right before showtime, Jonathan. And uh, if I don't get to see you beforehand, of course, the Health Freedom Expo is coming up fast. I know it's still just summer, just started, but uh, days are moving quickly. And I uh, can't wait to see you, my brother. Yes, sir, Robert. Take care, my friend. All right, Jonathan E. Moore, Sacred Fire of Liberty, each and every time of the week, this day, Thursdays, first hour. Uh, very excited second hour because one of my best friends in the whole world and a broadcast legend to me, she's amazing, uh, Joni Abbott, finally getting back on the Robert Scott Bell Show. And she's been on quite a healing journey in her life. And, you know, I've been a, a witness to some of it, but there's so much that she's been doing uh, that I'm not aware of now. And I, I really want to catch up because I think it's going to have a profound impact on many of you in the audience that are stuck or looking for something and that you've done so many things and you just, and there's always something that we're missing, maybe a little, it's something. And there may be some things Joni's experienced that can help us all. So we're going to talk to her next hour. Uh, quick thank you as well to uh, our friends at the uh, Neutronics, the IGF-1 product that I'm taking. And Super Don, can I show my muscles or no? I, I always have to ask Super Don for permission just to show you what's going on. But if not, it's okay. It's okay if I can't. I don't care. Go ahead. Now you don't care? Today Go you don't ahead. care? Go ahead. Yesterday well, you made like, me out to be the bad guy. All right. Like, no. I'm, look, it's not just like I'm ripped now. Okay? Yeah, this yeah, is, yes, you are. So there you, you are. Yeah. And I want to say thanks to Christopher Key for hooking us up. 
we're, we're getting some fitness on. Today I had a great mountain bike ride as well, using some muscles I'm not usually using at the kickboxing gym, but made made it through. And again, thanks to Cardio Miracle as well for the, for their support because uh, the oxygenation was definitely needed today at 6,000 feet altitude. Uh, so with that, Super Don, I don't know what else to say for this hour before we take a quick break and we'll bring Joni into the mix, right? Say, see you in about three minutes. That's all you got to say. You said it. Now the power to heal is yours. Robert Scott, the Robert Scott Bell Show. Hour two commences now, and what a profound hour uh, I think it's going to be. Because our dear old friend, and she's not old, I am, uh, Joni Abbott is coming back on the Robert Scott Bell Show after many, too long. And I, I know she's been busy. I know she's working hard. She's raised some amazing young young ladies, still working on that. We all, you know, that have kids. And Yet the journeys we've shared together, including our you know mutual friendship with our dearly departed friend Liam Chef, we can't separate that out part of our, our incredible journey this lifetime. Um, the things that she's done in broadcasting and health and healing and uh, just just amazing. I, I can't say enough wonderful things about her. I love her dearly. And uh, Super Don, if you don't mind, let's bring uh, Joni Abbott into the mix right now. I can't wait. Where is Joni? Is she there? Is she here? I can see that she might be frozen. Can you see that, Super Don? What's going on? I can. It looks like her internet's kind of fluctuating a little bit. Okay, so I, I will have to wait. I mean, I'm in the answer. That's what she looks like. I mean, we got a picture, wait. right? You know, you I, mean, can, I can see her, but I don't think anybody else can see her. No, uh, no, it's, I think it's going out. Yeah, it's going out. Okay. Well, that's not helpful because she can't speak because, like I said, it's an internet connectivity issue. It looks like. <laughs> so you and you and me, Super D, we're going to talk. Have for to a reconnect. Bit, we, we'll get her connected. Yeah. I think she. It looks to me. I was looking at her internet, you know, because like we can see that yeah. through here, and it was kind of going green, then yellow, then red, then yeah. green. So, I had that happen on on one remote we did, and thankfully it's holding today. So, how's the outdoor version of the Robert Scott Bell Show going? You so know far? what? Now that the the light has shifted, we can actually see some stuff behind you. It doesn't look like the second coming of Christ is taking place behind you. <laughs> the light of God. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And yeah. as the sun moves over, I might get more backlit this hour, but that we could do this. And what I was a just bummer, saying, though, right? I mean, you yeah. had to go outside and do the show today. Oh, it's not so horrible. Oh, I'm not, man. honestly, I'm not complaining. What I am impressed with is that now I guess I've used the remote setup enough that I was able to knock it out in five minutes and get, get up and, and connect. That's and impressive. That yeah, is impressive. that didn't used to be the case. So I'm really com comfortable with that now. Uh, we've got at least a basic system. I still don't like wearing these cans on my ears. They heat me up indoors or outdoors. So I, I switched out as long as you can hear me okay. Oh, hold, uh, on a second hold on a right. Hold on, hold on. As, uh, right. Super I've, got our, I've got you on speaker now, so okay. you're on the show. What's going on? Thank you. Well, I am just trying to get all of this. Uh, I have no idea. I'm like, I went to a high-powered, higher-powered internet in order to do this show. Are you, are you on Wi-Fi? Like, Is that what's going on? I'm on 5G, dude. Like, I just, like, I went all the way to a different place so I would have absolute, Okay. you know what I mean? 
higher powered internet. Right. But I'm gonna I'm gonna try to move locations so then that way okay. we can try to get it. Better. We'll uh we'll we'll chat on air here for a little bit and we'll await your return. Mm-hmm. All right. Or do you? I mean, is there any other place that I could call into? Is there like? No. This this is this is it. Just reconnect. This is it. Okay. No worries. Okay. All right. We'll see you soon. All right. Thanks. All right. right, All right. Well, you know, this is a technology that uh, we've we've done better with than the previous thing I've used. But occasionally there's a snafu somewhere in there. So we'll make our way through it. We will. Uh, Reminder again, Orange Guard. You guys haven't tried this yet. OrangeGuard.com. And I do. Have we got Tor, the developer of this? uh, Is he scheduled yet? Have we got him? I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Uh, John, who uh, is the uh, kind of our, our, our go-between guy, mm-hmm. with Tor, who uh, ironically, you know, it was weird because when I, when I first started talking to him, we were just kind of talking about how roots were, our roots were radio. Yeah. And um, yeah. turned out that he worked uh, with TRN back in the day. Oh, back uh, original and, broadcast. And worked directly with uh, Michael Savage, as a matter of fact. Oh, wow. Okay. And so, um, anyway, he just got back. I guess he was gone. He just got back from California yesterday, and so he was supposed to get back to me today to make those arrangements. Okay, great. So. Well, anyway, I'm uh, cooking out here. It feels good. I, I had a great, I, I think it ended up being, let's see, 40 minutes, hour and 20-minute bike ride, maybe hour and a half. Uh, but it was uh, a steady rise to 6,000 or so feet elevation. And as I was climbing the elevation, I, even as uh, in shape that I am for doing other kind of workouts, I could feel it. As I, as I described to you, my, my first ascent, which was a long, gradual ascent, there was a certain point where I hit. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm breathing like I'm in. Remember I talk about being in different zones like yellow zone or red zone? Mm-hmm. I felt like I was at the top of the yellow zone going, I really have to breathe deeply to get to oxygenate at that point. And, you know, partly because I realized, okay, one elevation was a couple of thousand feet higher than sometimes where I'm working out or at least 1,500 feet, maybe 1,800 feet up. But it was more or less the distinct difference. I didn't warm up. I just hit the bike and went up. And my normal routine is interval type training where you intense three minutes, sort of rest for 30 seconds, then go back at it. And this was a continue three minutes, keep going three minutes, keep going, you know, all the way up. Took about, what, 30 minutes to go up the hill and at a certain point i was like dude this ain't making it and then we went down the fun ride going down if you go up you got to go down and then it was a question what you want to go up, up do you want to go up again down. and i was like well i don't know i struggled a little bit going up it wasn't bad but it was like not i'm not used to struggling anymore because i've been fitnessing up so and he said and i asked him if we have time he said yep we have time i'm like oh darn but then i went yeah and the second time up i was steady Pretty much the whole way. I never went into that intense breathing. It was like I just needed to warm up to the different type of exercise. So I was very pleased how that transferred or translated from a burst interval training to a consistent, consistent training uh, scenario like that. So again, I want to, I want to say thank you uh, for the opportunity to to be alive, much less to do that to Ray Andrew (laughs) and to borrow his carbon fiber bike, his second, he says it was his wife's, but his wife doesn't use it. So, uh, and he invited me down to Moab to ride on the rocks down there. So I'll do that one day as well. So, uh, with that, any other, uh, news, uh, upcoming events, announcements I haven't made. I'm trying to be good about remembering all the things we normally do. Now that I'm outdoors, I'm just distracted beyond belief. 
Um, yeah. So uh, we uh, we did mention the Health Freedom Expo with uh, Trinity School of Natural Health coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, we could give a shout out to our friends over at Nutritional Frontiers. You've got an event actually coming yeah. up very soon. That's um, right. Where you'll be hanging out with the folks over there at Nutritional Frontiers, including Judy Mikovits and uh, and a Doctor Lynn. I'm, I'm not familiar with Doctor Lynn. We haven't had him on the show. I don't think he's a smart dude. And uh, he, I enjoyed him. I met him at the last event. He's from Florida, I think, if I remember correctly. Of course, Jamie Dorley up there in Pittsburgh. I'll be uh, emceeing the event. I might have a few words to say as well. And that's Saturday, August the 6th, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. in Pittsburgh. So I'd love for you, if you're in that area and not far from it, to connect. Come on over. Let's see you. And uh, maybe we can get together and have a good time. I think we will. So that, that is really great. And by the way, use the code RSB15 anytime you want to get some of the wonderful things that Nutritional Frontiers makes available to us, including their full-spectrum hemp extract oil, certified organic U.S. grown. And it is a beautiful, brilliant set of products. I use them every day, to the transdermal, uh, the full-spectrum oil. We have the Hemp Boost. The CBD gummies are the best-tasting organic uh, CBD-type gummies, in the, I think, ever, ever, anywhere. And so... Grateful for them, and you can use the code RSB15, get a discount even on their sale items. So when they have discounts on things, you can double dip. Like their June focus on the SPMs, we talked about inflammation modulation, and the SPMs are amazing at that. 14% off that and a bunch of other things, and you can get 15% additional with the code RSB15. If they say you can't double dip, then you say Jamie Dorley and Robert Scott Bell sent you. Nutritional they said so. Yeah, they That's said right. So. Looks like we got Joni back. Can we pull, pull her in? Like we do. Hey, Joni! How are you? <laughs> Here I was like building up so excited and anxious for your appearance. And then we pull you up and you're like, frozen. What happened? Oh, I really hope it wasn't a weird looking face that I was just. No, you, you looked know. lovely. Beautiful. I'm like, I just, I wish I could get frozen on a face like that. So that's like. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. You were great. So oh what is gosh. going on, Joni? There's so oh much we got to catch up with. So much to catch up on. First of all, thank you so much for having me back on the show. It's been way too long. And hello, if you guys are tuning in and I haven't seen you in a long time or done a you know show for you or co-hosted in a long time. It's just so good to be back. Don, you've got some long hair. I've never seen you with long hair. So do you like the yeah. ponytail look on I, grandpa's? What do you, you think? You know, I, I kind of do. It's kind of hip, you know. Oh, I just, oh. Look at him. Yeah. Not distinguished. And I, I couldn't grow a ponytail. Don. In a hundred years. So look at that. <laughs> very nice. Yeah. Thank you yeah. very much. <laughs> so, yes, Robert, what are you doing outside today? Well, my uh, indoor equipment, my computer wouldn't boot up. And it happened like today was one of those weird days where I say weird days. I wasn't in the studio all morning. I was doing work uh, elsewhere. And I had a great mountain bike ride earlier in the morning. So it was a great day, but I go down like a normal thing. All right, eh, Jonathan yeah. Emort's coming on. Joni's coming on. I got nothing to concern myself with. They're so awesome. <laughs> and, I, and I go to turn the computer on. It's it's like stuck. I turn it off, turn it on three times. Yeah. I'm like, okay, this is not going well. So I ran immediately and got my remote broadcasting equipment, set it up on the uh, table outside. And I've yeah. been wanting to do outdoor uh, broadcasts since summer hit, finally. And I just didn't intend to do it today. But I was able to set it up fast enough so we didn't miss a beat except for a frozen Joni Abbott who's not frozen anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, maybe that can attest to the stuckness that I experienced for so many years of my life with weight Ooh. loss and emotional things. And, you know, now we've moved through that and now we're on the other side of it in every way. So Joni, great. you've been very upfront about some of your journey. 
um, mm-hmm. going through relationships, including with narcissists, right? We talk about the, the, the brutality of people stuck in those relationships, not realizing how to get out of it and, you know, emotional traumas and, and we all have them. Um, you know, there, there are some themes that are unique more to women than men, but your journey of, uh, emotional, let's say, I don't know, is it injury? Is it crime? What is it that, that causes you to have um, you know, impact on the physical body as well. And we know the body, mind, spirit connection, but you've been, I don't know, charging through this, trying to figure this thing out for so long. And, and I've kind of been able to catch up a little bit and hearing amazing things are occurring. And I just couldn't wait for you to come on and tell us what, what have you been doing? Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, you know, homegrown health is 10 years old this year, right? And I've been on your show since 2011 as a guest or interview or co-host of some, on some level, right, in the last several years. And you've seen me through ups, downs, all arounds and everything in between. And so um, the things that I have really started to piece together in this journey were the emotional components and how they affected your physical health. But then it went deeper than that. It went back to food as medicine, food as detox, and the impact that that has on your spirituality and the impact that that has on you emotionally. It's like they work synergistically. You don't have one impact without the other impact. So when you have physical illness, when you have, um, you know, weight gain, things that you can't lose weight from, um, thyroid dysfunction, adrenal fatigue, um, total shutdowns of, of systems in your body after having so much toxicity, you know, fat that gets stored up in your fat cells. So it's like toxic fat. Once you start having those things and you start piecing the components together with the emotional connection and you start addressing both things, I would try to address one, but not the other, or try to, you know, work my way from the outside. in. maybe if I just eat better and work out, but really what does healthy mean in our society, right? We've become so disconnected from food and food is medicine. We don't even know how to use it to heal ourselves. And so it's just been this ongoing journey, ongoing attempts at different protocols. And then finally realizing that when I address the foundation of childhood wounding, narcissistic abuse in my life, when you start addressing those things, a lot of the answers will come. It starts to open up this floodgate of of room and potentiality for the universe to just deliver. <laughs> it's really so, cool. So yeah, knowing a lot of what you said in that journey of, let's say, let's focus on the physical, the eating, the this and that. Yeah. We recognize there's emotional things. Let's focus there too. A little. Of, there had to be something that is unique, perhaps different than what what I knew of what you were doing, you know, the things that yeah. you, the journeys that you've been on to hit another level where you go, Oh, this is different, right? Something's happening. That's different. And I'm intrigued by that because I think a lot of people have been through this journey and, and feel stuck. They, they hit a plateau. They can't seem to get past something. Uh, if there's something that you could share with us about maybe that could help others to be on this journey, but what happened? What did you find? What are you doing? Yeah. Self permission to do whatever it takes. Right. I think that is where, you know, it's, it's, you know, rocking the health world like you do, right. It's, it's the giving yourself the power to heal is yours. It's realizing that you do have the innate power to heal each and every symptom, each and every ailment, each and everything going on in your life and in your body. You know, first it starts with this and it starts with your heart. You have to make up your mind that this is it. It's whatever it takes. So then you start there. And then, um, once I started being willing to do whatever it took, um, I started to look into, you know, the fact that like traditional Chinese medicine, Bach flower remedies, 
you know, things that help your body and your, your organs process the emotions at a cellular level, process the emotions at an organ level where they can become stuck and stagnant. You know, you get the toxicity out of your life in every way. If that's relationships, if that's people, you get the food, the, the, um, you know, body skincare products, you just decide like I'm done with toxicity, right? We like our products. We like our food. Like we like our people. Non-toxic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you just, you know, give yourself permission to do whatever it takes, including if that means you have to blow up your life, leave your job, leave your career, which I did all of those things. I left my marriage. I left my life that I had that I once knew. I, I jumped back into my radio career. I left that in 2020. COVID just, you know, did the rest of that in. I had left a full-time career in radio to pursue, you know, my, my passion in health. And I had tried a couple of different jobs in between there, which were all stepping stones to where I was. But when I got finally serious about making my self-care and my own self-love a priority, and it was a non-negotiable in my life every day, and I just kept after it, clean eating, clean eating, no cheating, right? Because you're really not cheating. Only person you're cheating is yourself in that moment, because then you're just choosing, you know, more toxicity. Then the emotional component, the spirituality component of healing. Once I started like all of those things in tandem with some awesome coffee enemas, yeah. woo <laughs> they never, right. It then I just started to release years of, of trauma and toxicity. Look, a, lo a lot of people don't like to go back to their childhoods. And most people I know, especially in the self-sacrificing Midwest, they like to um, uh, be allergic to things like therapy or personal development. And therapy only took me so far. Talk therapy only got me so far um, because somatically these things were trapped in my body. They were trapped in your cells. You're, you know, if we ever, you know, understood, I know we've talked about them before on your show in mind, Dr. Yamoto, you know, this, the fact that water has memory, your cells are made up of water. We have lifetimes of things that we carry with us, even repressed trauma, repressed childhood memories. And unless you're addressing those and working to uncover those and fully heal those, like there's always going to show up. Something will show up in your health as a result. So, Joni, you know, the times we've got to spend together and, you know, I've seen you witnessed you caring for yourself and going through different, you know, uh, therapies as well as eating really cleanly and well and juicing and all of that. Uh, are you saying that there were, I'm not going to say blind spot, but certain areas where you were either weren't confronting or weren't confronting efficiently enough that would actually help you get past some of those blockages? Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think a lot of it was, you know, the different childhood woundings that we experience. And then that kind of sets the foundation, right? It sets the foundation for how we see the world. It sets the foundation through the lens with which we see and experience our lives. We have limiting beliefs. I think a lot of it too was a limiting, limiting beliefs, deep internal limiting beliefs about my potentiality, about my, um, ability to reach a certain level of abundance or joy or love. Mm -hmm. And so with those early childhood traumas, you know, and, and it's, you know, abuse of different kinds, verbal, emotional, physical, sexual, you know, I experienced a lot of that. And if we're not really willing to go in and be honest with ourselves, assuming, I think the other big thing was assuming responsibility for everything that was showing up in my life, Ooh, right? That's like, that's how it's, it's yeah. deep work, you know? No, I mean, I honestly, from the victim uh, perspective, you look at the perpetrator and you're like, well, the, the, those people were evil. They're horrible. They're nasty. And it's like, 
what, why would you want to have to look at yourself and say, did I play a role in this? I mean, that that is an important part of it. I agree. But gosh, how difficult it is for someone to, to self-efface and look and say, how did I get trapped in that? What did I do to say? And only at that point do you go, oh, I did. Oh, now I know what not to do. Right. Yeah. That, it isn't just about being a victim of these horrible people. But it's like we participated in it because at any point, if I just left it, that person's going to, well, maybe they'll find somebody else to do it. But you'll at least not be the directed action, you know, that has been so, uh, you know, let's say traumatic emotionally and otherwise. So what is it that got to the point of going, I got to look at this from, I guess, all angles? Right, right. Well, if you, um, so I have so much to share about, about a teacher that I have and, and the 66 day cleanse that I'm doing, and I'm back in school for, um, to do plant-based whole foods eating as medicine, safely learning to teach people how to detox their bodies using food. And, and I'll get to that at Health Mastery Institute. That's where I'm, I've, you know, got all my certifications through Trinity School of Natural Health for, for health coaching. And now I'm moving on to a little bit more in-depth studies on nutrition and plant-based eating through Health Mastery Institute. Institute. Um, but my teacher, Liana Shanti, she has a some really great programs on mother wounding, father wounding, healing from narcissistic abuse. It, that, that has been so, so vital and crucial in my life and being able to start even looking at these things from these perspectives and um, shifting the energy, doing meditative work, lots of internal child, um, internal personal work on yourself. But, but Really, if you remember, I don't know if you know the Ho'oponopono, Hugh Len, Dr. Hugh Len, mm -hmm. um, he was the um, psychologist or psychiatrist in Hawaii. I, his work came to me in 2014, right? As I'm going through everything and I'm meeting all these people, they're sending me things, articles. And this article came my way and I was fascinated by it. It was the idea that the Ho'oponopono is a way to assume responsibility for everything we see in life, even if it's not something we've directly done, but because it's coming our way, right? We have this new level of saying, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I love you. Thank you. And that is like an energy trans transmutation or like an alchemy that helps shift what we see as occurring. The whole Ho'oponopono in this prayer is about making wrongs right. It's righting the wrongs. It's seeing seeing the errors and adjusting it to make it right. Mm. And, and so that was a prayer that came my way. And I didn't really understand how to kind of like properly use it, but I began starting to think about the things in my life that I could forgive, the things in my life that I could love, including myself more, the things in my life that I could be grateful for, and the things in my life that I could be sorry for. Not sorry that, I mean, you know, sorry for the choices I made to myself, sorry for engaging in relationships I understood were abusive and still keep trying and beating a dead horse over and over and over again, you know, waiting and staying too long mm -hmm. in something and, and even forgiving and recognizing the trauma in others. And even those who have abused me and, and, um, who did, you know, quote, victimize me and not get stuck in the victim martyr trap. That was a huge, it's something we learn a lot from parents or, or adults who we are influenced by growing up, you get you get stuck in these blind spots where you don't realize you're also entertaining that. So, you know, the whole Ho'oponopono, Dr. Hugh Len um, was uh, the head psychiatrist at this um, hospital, mental, criminal mental hospital in Hawaii. And um, he was like, it was a high turnover job. A lot of people, you know, didn't want to work there. The, the positions were very high turnover because of the, the uh, state of the patients in the hospital. Anyway, he said, I'm not going to see any patients, but I am going to 
do their files and pray these prayers. And that mm -hmm. hospital was closed in two years. Wow. It no longer needed to be open. And when I really understood what that meant, I was like, who does that? How do I learn it? And how can I shift that in my life? And so these are all like, you know, not all of the tools I've used, you know, um, but uh, many of the things, mindset shifts and understanding of how there is no separation, right? The duality, the polarity, the ways that we are meant to be separated. We're not separate, right? Everything is happening all at once. And, and we have some part to play in that. Yeah, yeah it's I just saw a multiverse movie with almost that title, Everything Everywhere All at Once. All at Once. That's a yeah. great movie. I went and saw it. I mean, you know, I'll be honest, the hot dog fingers kind of freaked oh, me out. Oh, that was kind of weird. <laughs> Nancy didn't know what she, my wife didn't know what she was getting into when we watched it. She's oh like, this God. is the weirdest thing ever. But we laughed a lot too. It was, it yes. was funniness. And, uh, but yeah, this idea of uh, all of these things happening and, you know, time being the illusion, past, present, future. In, 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 uh, in our soul's journey, soul journey. Um, I just think about some of the things you, you, you shared with us right now today. And I'm thinking, where is the next generation going to learn this? It's not in the school settings. Even private schools don't, don't teach about things like this. Maybe in a homeschool setting, perhaps, but even that, it seems like a lost art to acknowledge and understand the things that we carry, traumas, whether it be from past, previous generations, et cetera, or this lifetime. How do we communicate some of this to generations of children that have been grown up believing that they're all victims and that, you know, only centralized bureaucracies that are not even part of their family can save them. It's just like victim mentality has sort of become institutionalized. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, that has been, I mean, we, we look at like the lifetimes that this could have been passed down to you by, right? Your mother, your grandmother, her mother, her father, her. I mean, it can just go on and on all the way back to your family lineage. But at some point you have to stand up and say, it's going to stop with me. Like this, I'm here to break this cycle right now. I don't want my children. I don't want my children's children. I don't want my grandchildren, my great grandchildren. I don't want any more from me to have to go through this. So I either stop now. And I say, I've recognized this pattern in my life, this unhealthy, toxic um, pattern that is keeping me stuck, is keeping me from reaching my highest potential, is keeping me in a victim mindset, is keeping me from losing weight, feeling healthy, accomplishing all the things in my life that I wanted to accomplish, right? I either stop now and get really real with myself and start healing, or I'm only going to get more of the same. And that is why when we, we make up, make our minds up to do whatever it takes, you are going to be like on the right of your life. But to me, it's better than carrying this energetically, spiritually, or otherwise, any uh, one more day, one more day with me. And um, oh, it's and, been and, a really great, <laughs> yeah, it's been a really great journey. Assessing your family, your friends, you know, your coworkers, things like that. You're just like really taking stock of who's in there that, uh, let's say supports me no matter what, right? Who loves me no matter what, who's not, uh, or also who's not trying to trap me in a cage of their view of who I am or who you are. This is a difficult part of the process, I think, because then you have to look at people that you may love because they might be part of your family too, that you realize in order to recover, you, you can no longer interact with, and it isn't being mean and nasty or vindictive. It's a certain, survival to thrival mechanism. In other words, well, first we're, we've just got to get out of that pattern. And, and oftentimes those people, even if they mean well, they known us in a certain way our whole life. 
And when we start shifting the way we look at ourselves and therefore our behavior shift, they can't go with it. They don't understand. And they try to trap us back into it. So at those points, we, I think, are within our right and, and even uh, obligation to leave at least temporarily until we're strong enough to handle that. We're not going to be drawn back into a play that we no longer we want to be a part of. Oh my gosh. So, so we talk about cult mentalities, right? The family cult is one of the biggest mentalities. And there's a, a woman who teaches on this quite extensively and actually hosts and has groups for people leaving their quote family cult. And her name is Kaya Aline. She's a great resource. Um, she's healed five, um, oh my gosh, five, I think autoimmune diseases using food as medicine, using these plant-based whole foods methods and, you know, things like essential oils, Bach flower remedies, all of those. And she, she does this helping people exit the family cult because we are so deeply ingrained and tied into, and our, you know, if we look at our root chakra is one of the, you know, most foundational chakras, it's that, it's that area that ties us into and our family. And we want that security. We want that comfort. We want to be just like our family. We want to have that acceptance and that love. And we're, we're hardwired for that, right? We're hardwired to not only bond with our parents, but we're also hardwired to have community and love and acceptance. And so those rejection wounds, the abandonment wounds, all of those things get really put into hyperdrive. And, you know, those, those inner children, as I'm learning through this process, because I mean, this healing work is never going to end, right? I mean, I think once you commit to it, you have to know that there's enough to heal that's going to keep you going the rest of your life. And that if your ego thinks you've arrived, then boy, you have yeah. another thing coming. <laughs> right. Little flat, flat life will slap you upside the head and show you. Uh, you never actually <laughs> yes. arrive. Uh, I mean, the thing yeah. is, it doesn't mean you can't find joy uh, throughout the process or at times, you know, through the difficulty that there are happy times there. Certainly, I have great memories with you and Liam and others that we've got to hang out with in the midst of, you know, let's, you know, talking about your journey. You're still dealing with a lot of garbage, a lot of horrible things, too. But we oh, find yeah. times for laughter and love and smiling and celebration. So I, I don't want people limited or locked in to say, only when I arrive, can I then experience joy? I think that's another trap as well. Oh, I love that. I'm so glad you brought that up because it's, it's true. I mean, you're not going to be, and you know, the healing work is definitely not for the timid, but it's definitely not something where you can't have everyday joy. That's your choice, mm -hmm. right? Mindset. Only you can choose whether you go outside and you can look at a flower or look at the sun or look at the sunset and take that in and have gratitude and thanks. And, and, um, it just, you know, being lit up about the world around you, nature, the, just enjoying food from a tree that you picked by with your own hand, like those things, every moment is an opportunity to have joy every moment. So even though you're going through, you know, dark nights of the soul and, and look, you know, after, after Liam died, my whole world started to kind of fall apart. He was my best friend for many years and we, um, really helped each other out a lot through some of these, these are conversations that we would have about childhood wounding, about things that we experienced growing up, things that we experienced in our adulthood as a result of those things growing up that we had, you know, in our childhood. And so we understood that this was all part of the work, all part of the, the process. But, you know, when he died, it was just, it was, um, it was sudden and you don't ever get over that right away. You know, it's not something that you're just over quickly, especially, you know, when, there's so much left behind. Right. And so that's, you know, that's been an, another thing that I've worked through over the years and understanding that grief is its own time. And I think, you know, grief is really at the heart of what people don't often give themselves permission to do is fully grieving, 
the process, fully grieving those emotions, fully grieving. I did a, a six week, <laughs> uh, really amazing uh, group class that Kaya had put on for, it was a, a group uh, healing on, um, on grieving, just allowing that process. These are things that most practitioners don't teach their clients or their patients. These are things that we want the quick fixes. We want the right nows. We want the quick vitamin supplement that's going to make it all better. What the What is the one or two things that I'm missing? Cool. Let me add that back into my diet. And it's like, wait a minute. We need to do a whole entire assessment of the things you are carrying with you currently, you know, emotionally, and physically looking at the deficiencies and looking at what hasn't been processed, looking at, you know, uh, what's showing up for you symptomatically. And also what are you holding on to and carrying with you all these years? And it could have been something, you know, as a pet dying when you were a child that you didn't fully grieve and that stores up into your organs and into your cells. And it honestly does have its physical effects. Yeah. So as far as a litmus, um, what kind of yardsticks have you used? Some that maybe were not right yardsticks. You look, oh, that was a horrible stick to use, right? To measure versus things that you now know through these experiences have really been uh, immeasurable yet measurable in a, in a profound way that you actually say, no, I actually have achieved this. I'm not in denial that I'm, no, you know, there's a distinction and difference for those that are stuck for years in this and never get seemingly get past it. Yeah, I think I think that it was the idea that self care was negotiable. It was the idea that um, you know if I if I skip meals because I'm too busy, it's the the busy train was really mine. As you even said it in your intros, you were you know we know she's been busy. If yeah. anybody knows me, they will know that I apparently thought I was the busiest person on the face of the planet mm -hmm. and I didn't have much time for anything, but get, you know, as I'm learning to shift this mindset, it's like, wait, we all have the same 24 hours in a day, right? Yeah. So how am I busier and don't have time for and can't, can't do, or won't, you know, well, how the, is that possible compared to everybody else who's busy as well? Right. You mentioned self-care is not negotiable. I think that's, I heard that right. Yeah. And I, and I think about like my commitment, to go in the mornings to go when I can to go hit the gym or today yes. to do a mountain bike ride, uh, which was amazing. And yeah, I could always say, look, I'm too busy because I've got this, 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 this. And, and yet you'll never then get to that, that, yeah. that care of self that is so critical for, for me, my physical and emotional and mental and spiritual sanity to be able yeah. to do that, to, you know, having been in my young life, zero to 24 chronically ill to where I am today, and how, how much work it took to get here. Sometimes I even forget because it's just so normal and natural for me to eat the way I eat clean food, right? And people go, oh, how, how, do you, how do you do that? I'm like, well, it's what I do. It's not something I, you know, I have an appointment to make to do. It's like something that's part of me. And it, it wasn't initially. Of course, you have to work at it initially. But I think about places where I could be better. And I could always, I think, do better in, in taking downtime because we are pretty driven in what we love to do and help people to heal or inform and educate and do this. Uh, yet there's sometimes where I'm like, dude, I just got to, maybe it's time I should slow down and celebrate something. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I mean, when you're on the road all the time and you're traveling at conferences and you're 
you've committed to these shows, you know, six days a week. And it's, it's amazing to see what you have built and churned out as a result of your passion and a result of what you feel is your purpose here on this planet right now. Like, I just love seeing where you've brought all of this and how you just keep plugging away, keep plugging away. And a lot of people don't have that mainstay power. They don't have that level of discipline. They don't, they've never known that level. And it's like, unless you try, you'll never know. Right. And well, so, yeah. yeah. Super Don knows because I'm like, you know, if I'm traveling and Super Don open up and talk about this too, you know how I'm like, well, I might could squeeze in another episode of the show live. <laughs> right? Hey, I'm traveling. You're like, dude, Come on. You're, Take a break once in a while. It's okay. Reason. You've been only been doing this for 23 years. 20 you know? years I mean, yeah. come on. Voice of reason and Super Don get me there. You asked a question, Super Don, in our daily email blast. You have some interesting uh, uh well, Yeah, actually, you know, it just one of those things where it's a complete coincidence, but I was listening to what was being said there and I was like, man, this is like this is like goes perfectly with our poll today. Yeah. And the poll is, there was a study that was done, it said the four and five people fall back into their old food habits after trying to eat healthier. Have you? And so I put that out there to the subscribers, and you have the selections. Yes, but I'm still trying. Yes, but I figured it out finally. No, I nailed it on the first try. I'd like to meet that person. Hello. Uh, you know, uh, or I, I, Hello, I how are you, Don? I get, hey. Nice to meet you. Well, that's, you know, it's rare. It's yeah. rare. It really is. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, you could also say that you gave up or that you don't worry about it or then Robert's favorite category, not sure. It's not my favorite category. It is too. You, you gave me a hard time on that one because I didn't put it. So anyway, as of, as of about 30 minutes ago, uh, 44%, 44.5% said yes, but they're still trying. They have fallen back in old food habits, which is very easy to do. Yeah. Um, but they're still trying to, to figure it out. Uh, 23% said yes, but I figured it out finally. And 19% said, no, I nailed it on the first try. So I guess the, those are the, the, the unicorns. Who are those people? Let's yeah, those are the, the unicorns, unicorns. In, the, <laughs> in, in the situation. We had uh, two two percent says, I've already given up. 8% says, I don't worry about it. And 2 or 1.6% said, Yeah, I don't know. Not I'm sure. not sure, right? Yeah. So, uh, Joni, along the way, I mean, I've seen your commitment to healthy eating. Would you say in the process that you've had, uh, times where you gave up or did you just find a way to modify it over time? You know, you were learning each time. I think a little bit of all of it, right? Because what, when you start again, our emotional connection to food and what food means to each of us and how, what, how we run to food in our addictions to comfort ourselves, right? There's, there's so much going on, um, with food, it's not just always about willpower and discipline, right? Because if you have a parasite infection, if you have candida, those those boogers in there are telling you what to eat, right? They're just gnawing at you, wanting you to to soothe them and feed me, Seymour. <laughs> it's, that, it's that simple with that. But then also the emotional connection to food that we run to for for the comfort when we're feeling um, triggered or something comes up that it's amazing what a bag of potato chips will do for somebody or ice cream or, you know, whatever it is. But for me along the way, it was like, it was never really about discipline. It was always about what emotional thing was happening inside of me and being aware and cognizant and really aware of my process and understanding what was triggering to me and how I was going to remedy that first and, and tell my inner children, you know, how much I love them and show up for myself consistently every day, no matter what. That just happened to be 
just one of the biggest um, impacts for, for my health. It looks like we have a question. Yeah, Christine is asking for you about if you've had any experiences with craniosacral therapy for some of the trauma release. Any thoughts on that? Or no, I have not. I'm, I've, I mean, I have heard good things about it. I know that some people have experienced, you know, good, um, uh, like release from that. I've, I've definitely heard of craniosacral. That's not something that I've done personally. I have considered it as long as, as well as so many other things. But for me, it was um, a lot of acknowledging the trauma holding those people responsible for the trauma responsible, right? And not allowing myself as my inner child self to continuously blame and shame or feel guilty for what happened to me. But then also looking at the effects of what that trauma had on my life long-term, which led me into different choices that I made or limiting beliefs about myself or negative self-talk. And then, right, it's like this, it's a spiral and there's this, trajectory that ends up happening to trauma. And it does affect every person a little bit differently, right? It's just knowing yourself, knowing your process, understanding the effects, and then cutting out the toxicity and then addressing the toxicity from the inside out through diet. I did it. I just got off of a 66 day cleanse and it was an amazing uh, healing experience, you know, first juice cleansing, of course, coffee enemas to help increase glutathione and giving your liver that purge. So you don't continuously harm yourself while you're doing um, a flood of nutrients in your body and detoxing. Where are those, where are those toxins going to go? Once you open up the cell, they want to get out, right? So the coffee enema is essential as you know, I learned from Dr. Patrick Vickers from the advanced Gerson clinic down in uh, Rosarita, New Mexico, Rosarita, Mexico. Um, at, you know, the Gerson therapy, the Gerson way, just learning how to excrete those toxins has been, you know, mind just boggling in how much relief you feel as a result and what really purging what purges happen. I mean, it's an adventure in the toilet if you dared look around when you're going through a major detox release. But um, yeah, those, those things have been what has gotten me through. Mm -hmm. And um, again, I don't think it's just one therapy, right? It's not just one thing. It's right. sticking to a protocol, seeing it through and really seeing who you are on the other side. Because it's not like there's just one emotion. You, know, right. you, you can feel uh, guilt. You can feel depression. You can feel angry. I mean, and who wouldn't be when you look at the abusers and go, I can't believe they did that. And, right. and yet all of these things can be stored in a different way in the body. We talk often about liver and anger. It's not only that, but there's a lot that could process through Great the liver. lungs, yeah. fear in your kidneys. I mean, and you know, uh, with a lot of the clients that I see now, we go straight to their issues. What are, what physical symptoms are showing up and let's start learning about what emotions are coming up and what emotions are attached to those organs. And then we start from, it's almost like we do it backwards, right? We start from there. We start from an emotional space and we start looking at how all of these things are tied in. We go back to their childhood and we start looking at things and they go, oh my gosh, I experienced, you know, this thing in my childhood. I can't believe it's affecting my kidneys. Mm you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's great to connect. I mean, you know, we've had the uh, guests and discussions and books we've talked about the relationship between organs, ailments, symptoms, illnesses, and how they manifest. It's not only purely a physiological toxin issue, although yeah. you've heard me say it many times that even if we just start there, it's a process, right? Well, yes. it, it can remove yeah. some of the blockages uh, to, to make those shifts or get through some of these hard times, but still 
as you've described today beautifully in the short time you know <laughs> i was like telling super don we need two hours or two days <laughs> I was not expecting to go here. I was just going to be like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. This is the cleanse I've done. This is the weight I've lost. This is how it's happened. Just, I was expecting to kind of touch on it. And boy, we went 90 miles an hour this, down that rabbit hole. I mean, it's just like us to do that. But I'm and I know, because I know you enough to know you're capable of going there and, and beautifully communicated as well, uh, the willingness to share. And, and I feel like so many people could be helped and are being helped by this. And anytime we cover subjects like this, but every, everyone's journey is unique. I don't say anybody's going to be just like Joni's experience, but right. you've heard other experiences and now you hear Joni's and, and learn a little bit about, oh, I had never heard about that. Or yeah. that sounds, something lights up for people. And, you know, it's not like everybody lives exactly the way I do, except for Super Don. But, uh, <laughs> so I'm just seeing if he's paying attention. Uh, oh, no. But the, <laughs> there he is. The coffee enema guy, right? After hearing Joni, he's oh, all he in now. He can't wait. He can't he's, wait. I heard you. I you heard see you. It? Look at him. Don, the best part of waking up, friend. <laughs> you know what comes after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who was that that said that back in the... Was it Liam? I it think was. it was Liam that said that. <laughs> Folgers, yeah. The best part well, of waking up is... Well, he said Folgers. But I wouldn't wrong, use Folgers but, because it's, yeah. it's uh, you know, yeah. pesticide laden. and you know, it's I, coffee. Organic coffee. Gerson-style coffee in your body. Yep. Uh, but, the, you know, as they said, the journey and Super Don, again, Joni, we've known for years and um, you really, and mom says you look terrific. She's commented. Oh, Mickey, but, I love you. Oh, my gosh. My dancing queen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love her. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I sent Don some pictures. I didn't know if he was able to get those pulled up of us. <laughs> Bless you. I got, we got, <laughs> it, it's summer here. and That was the first time we met, Robert. Yes. Oh, look 2011 at, that. at the Health Freedom Expo. Oh, yeah. my gosh. And look at you. You didn't have a lot of sun at that moment. In that, no. But was it, did you say it was summer? It was. That was June of 2011. Yeah. Wow. That is so yeah. amazing. That was, I had been on your show. There we go. That was, uh, that was being at my first Health Freedom Expo. I was so terrified mm -hmm. because I knew that my outside did not match my inside. I knew gotcha. that how I felt and who I was on the inside was not being reflected. And the guy there who was had his arm around me, that was Dr. Leonard Caldwell. Oh, right. And that was also where I met Liana Werner Gray, that same yeah. talk um, in June of 2012. So a yeah. year later, I had gotten even bigger. Wow. And I could not, I could not fathom in my mind what was happening. And I knew that if I did not change my life, the biggest fear I had was that I would not live and that I would die of cancer. I just, oh. I, something in me was like, you have to get out now. You're going to get, your body is going to continue to get sick. And I, I just felt like I was going to die of cancer if I, if I stayed where I was. And, and so Leonard Caldwell walked up to me at that health freedom expo and yeah. he said, I see you in there. Ah. I see you in there. He knew that what whatever was happening with me. And, you know, at the time, our shows were on Natural News, Mike Adams. It was a huge network. And I was, like, embarrassed by how I looked that people would not believe me or look at my life or listen. And I would lose credibility because I looked that way. But I had so much to share and so much lived experience, you know, raising my children outside of the modern medical model and home birthing and breastfeeding. Like I had so much to share with people. And yet I felt so embarrassed and ashamed by how I looked. And to even show up at the Health Freedom Expo was a huge step for me to finally like come out and just be like, okay, here's where I am. Here's yeah. Here I am as I am. And you have always been so loving and accepting and you never have ever asked me 
any inappropriate question about my life. It was just, it was so amazing to me that just your love and how, what you brought to our friendship and what you brought in the way of um, acknowledging even, you know, my career in radio that I had left so many years ago to raise children and then got back into it. You would always just, your love and acceptance, Robert, has always just meant the world to me in our you friendship. You make me so. cry now. Uh, <laughs> I was just saying, anybody that meets you falls in love with you. I mean, that's the thing. If they really, as, as, <laughs> Uh, Dr. C at that point said, I'm so glad to re remember that, that I see you, I see, I see you. And then that's the thing about the journey in this lifetime, that there are people who do see us and do love us and do support us, no matter what the outer circumstances appear like, even when we don't see ourselves, even if we sense we we're in there somewhere and finding those people along the way. And that's, you know, the, the courageousness of your journey to go out into the world, feeling like you did yet knowing you had a lot to offer that you were here to do that and you didn't yeah. cower in fear, even though it would have been, people would have understood completely why you did if you did, but you didn't. And then connected through, and I got a shout out to Tr the Trinity Health Freedom Expos and Julie and all that she's done to keep that thing going after her dad passed away. Yeah. That been an amazing place where people have come together and we've made lifelong friendships, people that share profound principles that bring us together and we are all different backgrounds and experiences yet. And I'm not saying that there, it isn't without things that we go, oh, I didn't like that. I mean, it's just humanity, but by and large, you know, you came out and then we've made lifelong friendships, you know, not Absolutely. just you and me, but others as well. Uh, and you know, the little part of the journey that you led us into and, and seeing those pictures for those that have never met you from the past to see you now are like, that's the same person. Yeah. How? But that was, that was the person that was always there as we acknowledged. And that's the, you know, that's where we try to draw people into our lives that see that in us. And then we try to do hopefully the same for others just to, you know, ha have have them recognize something that they don't recognize yet, but, you know, is there. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was just giving myself, you know, the, the best thing I ever did was give myself permission to come back home to myself. Right. To really find your inner light. Let that. And yeah. just let that shine unapologetically and not care anymore what other people think or other people say and and just keep going putting one foot in front of the other and staying laser focused on what you want for your life and at, you will start to see it unfold it will be it will come to you right and and i just am so grateful to the divine for showing up in my life over and over again when i literally was at my lowest point or my darkest moments and i'm i see a way out i see a way to heal you know, there's a lot of the shadow work aspect that that we hear being talked about in a lot of new age situations. But what they don't teach you is that you can heal the shadow. We don't need it. You can heal it. Right. And I'm finding these ways to be able to heal to shine. And it's been um, I mean, it's just been the journey of my life. And I don't know where I'm going yet. I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I don't know where it's all headed, but awesome. I just know I want to share it. And and so, you know, it's it's been such a great, beautiful space to be able to do that. It's good to see you. Good to have you awesome. back. And I can't wait to see you at you. any event that we're going to be together at. I'll, I'll be speaking yep. at the Health Freedom Expo as well, October 15th and 16th in Tidley Park, Chicago. Cannot wait. Are you going um, to get to the Red yeah. Pill Expo in Indianapolis? Is that far from you? No, it's not that far. I could, okay. I could make that happen. So, I could make that um, happen. June, I think July, I'm sorry, 7th, 8th and 9th or something like okay. that, or 9th and 10th, uh, something like that. 9th it is. Thank you. 9th and 10th. There we are. I'll be emceeing and speaking at that event in Indianapolis. Love to see you and anybody who will join us there. Well, I will just grab some friends and we'll make a day of it. Oh, Two that days would be amazing. <laughs> that would be, <laughs> be amazing to have a great reunion with you, Joni. And uh, we've got to take a break uh, for our UK Health Radio audience. 
And then we're going to go into bonus round in about 60 seconds. Joni, you want to hang out and just do some informal discussion, catch up? or sure. yeah, yeah. I'll hang on. I'm here right. anyway. I'm invested, Robert. <laughs> More with Joni Abbott after the break. Super Don, thank you for making it happen despite all the craziness that happened before the show today. And, uh, you know, Joni, it's been a while since I've heard you say what I say at the end of every show. Oh, yeah. Oh, the power to heal is yours. We'll be right back. All right. Stretch it out, everybody. What an amazing show, Jody. <laughs> Robert, hey. Good to see you. And, and you know, it's so, just too, too funny that, like, I'm, like, so anticipating you being on. I'm building up to your – and here she is. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, I would have done a really cool, like, robotic move if yeah. I had I known that that was going to be what it was. <laughs> no, it was <laughs> great. I, I was just, just let my arm a, hang. I was just on a uh, podcast – uh, this morning, or was it maybe it was a pre-record by Court Courtney Turner, and she okay. was, she was at the Advanced Medicine Conference with Batar, and she just sent me a message because we were talking a little bit about censorship, and she says, speaking of censorship, YouTube took down my whole channel today. And I'm <laughs> like, and then I just I texted her, I was like, oh my gosh, it was my fault. I did it again, right? Because right. I have appeared like with uh, Lourdes and Chris Lavoy on their show, and yeah. that the show I did with them got pulled off of YouTube. I'm like, what is it? What did I say? I I'm I'm like. I'm not that horrible, am I? And the YouTube just doesn't stomach what I have to say, apparently. But no, apparently, no, it was a pre-record, so it wasn't my fault. <laughs> but oh, good. No. Well, I was just gonna say, like, even the the technological issues. I mean, I anticipate, mm -hmm. like, as they're moving through monkeypox and they're moving through more of this agenda to, you know, disconnect and change things over, like, two weeks at a time, right? Like, they're weeks at a time where yeah. the internet could go down, where, you know, we're going to see stock markets change, you know, change and crash and switch over. So, I mean, it's like all of, we know what's coming, we know what's on the way. And so just prepare yourself for that, right? Be informed, prepare yourself and don't give into fear. Yeah. Don't give into fear. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's probably cool. been like, yeah, my relationship with fear. Gosh, that's a whole nother show. Right. <laughs> of, you know, yeah, like like really learning to acknowledge it, but not give into it and take it on. Yeah. Well, and, and you're taking on from what I remember, we've had some discussions about one of your jobs among many. You're working within the court system on legal matters. I mean, that's intense research and you're you're winning battles in the court system. I'm like, dude, warrior Joni, what's going on there? It's, it's awesome. been amazing. Yeah. The, the paralegal, non-traditional paralegal is what we call me. Right. Um, but that was an unexpected twist and turn. And I have a show about that. You can go to, you know, homegrown health on SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts mm -hmm. and you'll look up the update paralegal well, tri trial win, right? I got yeah. Del Bigtree on there, another trial win with Anthony Briesco. Um, he was actually, Anthony, if you scroll down a little bit more to a, a, another show, um, an earlier show, he was my first client as a health coach. And he touched me and was like, I don't want to have my kidney removed and they want to take it out and uh, help. And I'm like, hey, dude, I'm one week into health coaching school. Awesome. Let's just see what we can wow. do. Yeah. And so we started to address fear in the kidneys and we started to address things from childhood and things that the way he was processing his emotions. And we just kept addressing that. We kept taking out things in the diet that were harder for the kidneys to process. And within six weeks, it was like at 100% again. And wow. he was just like. What is that right? And then so as he learned more about my journey and learned that I was my kind of my own paralegal and my category five hurricane divorce that took almost three and a half years, four years, he was like, 
maybe what you've learned can help my clients and prepare them for the courtroom. So that's where it started. And now, I mean, it's turned into, I help teach clients to tell their story from a powerful place. We help prepare them. We help teach them about strategies from the defense and the other side as to how their character assassination and how they'll come at them and try to trying to help them stay out of fear, giving them breathing and meditative exercises to I'm coaching our whole trial team on what to eat and supplements we can take to keep our memory sharp and making sure we get sleep and enough nutrition and hydration. And so it's, it's just this really amazing thing that kind of just happened. And I, I couldn't be more grateful for it. Yeah. Dude, it's so amazing. I just like smiling ear to ear thinking about your journey. And now you're like this powerful force within the legal profession as a non-traditional paralegal. It's, it's like, you know, I, I tried to live my life in a way where I, I don't ask for permission where none is required. You know that. But of course, also, of course, in the things that I've done in radio, we look back and Super Don knows this. It's like stuff that you shouldn't have been able to accomplish, much less being syndicated at a time. Now, right. we're beyond radio per se because of other outreach, even though we're still we have a toe in radio still. But it, it it's like those were, let's say, channels, no pun intended, to communicate. And now that whole industry is isn't really struggling to survive it certainly couldn't maintain its its status as it was before and and so we find that people didn't need to go through the traditional channels to have the outreach to enjoy to engage and do all the wonderful things and i'm like like this woman i was just uh, interviewed by this morning i don't know when that'll air but i want her on the show because she's overcome super you remember reading her about her this morning this coordinate what she's overcome in her life talk about it was crazy. It was crazy. All the different things, different ailments and diseases and yeah. conditions and all that stuff. It was just like. And these are the people that need to have the microphone to share stories that are so empowering and uplifting that anybody looks at them and goes, I thought I had it bad. And then, and then suddenly maybe their own journey, they feel like, oh, well, if they were able to come overcome that, I certainly should be able to. And it's not to diminish or, you know, make place an award on who had the worst suffering. But the people that have been through it, they have a lot to do. And that's why I say, Joni, your journey is such that can help so many. And it has helped so many. And it's helping even more today. So, again, thank you for uh, revealing all that you did, even though you didn't expect it. Yeah. I, I was like, which thing do I start with, right? Because through all of the things that I've tried, I also had tried so many things that didn't work. And what I realized, you know, at the end of the day is it had to come back to my own mindset, my own commitment to myself and even believing you're worthy and deserving and, yeah. and finding a way to unconditionally love yourself and, and love the world enough to share, you know, and, and not hiding that light. Right. And, and I think when we get depressed and we get caught up in our ailments and we get caught up in our journeys, it's really easy to become not only central focused, let our egos drive the, drive the car, but also like we can also just forget that we are here to love and be love, you know? Yeah. Speaking of that, please send my love to your daughters growing up so, so amazingly. So uh, fast. And uh, yeah, they're amazing. Just, just their journey. And like I said, watch my kids growing up. Uh, Elijah right now is at the pork fest in New Hampshire <laughs> or porcupine. And it's not a, about pigs. It's uh, about libertarians getting together and having a celebration from the free state project out in New Hampshire. He's there with the goldbacks wow. and he's just having a great time. Oh, Elijah's doing the goldbacks. Great. Yeah. And how's his trade coming along? Uh, well, he's still got the capacity to do the precision machining. Yes. But he's been focused so heavily right now on uh, the goldbacks uh, that uh, that 
you know, eventually may come to come to pass. He'll utilize that more in the future. I don't know, but his journey awesome. is quite extraordinary. You know, you never know where they end up and how they end up. And all of these are stepping stones to something as well. Absolutely. Uh, which is cool. And of course, Ari, who I think she was out here a little bit. Ari, with I saw her walk out. Yeah. yeah. And and of course, she's, she's uh, singing and her music is beautiful. Oh, she's, she's in a, a, yeah, a she's patriotic uh, presentation, a song and dance uh, event uh, called Cries of Freedom. And she's got three shows a day for three days uh, around the July 4th Independence Day holiday. And so she's having a blast with that, too. So Awesome. Uh, and, of course, your life. wife. I love Nancy. And, Mickey, thanks again. I just, yeah, I don't even know where to end this. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to let you figure that it's out. Super Don <laughs> and all of his gaggle of grandkids. <laughs> I guess he had Grandpa to Don. the bees with his kids. But they, they were like, yeah, we, we're, we're going to, yeah, we got our own way. What was that? You had, you know, we had, one of the poll questions was about the birds and the bees. Would you talk to your Oh, kids yeah. I don't, worry, I don't have to worry weird. about that stuff anymore now. That's, that's, that's the, my, my kid's job. But. Yeah, no. They're adults. They can take care of it. Yeah. Right? No, I got uh, grand granddaughter, grandchild number five that's uh, going to be coming here any day. Any day now. Yeah. Any day now. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, my God. Congratulations, Don. And, and yeah. Joni, that's another thing we didn't talk about. But, of course, if you're available in the, in the midst of all the things you're doing, come back i want to talk about uh, a lot of the issues of fertility and, and there, there are things that are oh. happening that are much worse now in the era of the covid jabs uh that you know we've already seen declines in birth rates and other things prior to this but they've greatly accelerated and they're really damaging the ability of the human species to procreate at this point they really are. And, you know, I, I don't know that anybody could have said it better than Jennifer Margulis today. I don't know if you saw what she posted. I'm trying no. my best to um, pull it up. But, you know, because of censorship, you have to say certain things a certain way. Yeah, this is going to be a little graphic. So if you if you have kids, plug their ears. But so she she writes, if your man cares about his jizz, please read the article in the first link below. Spoiler, stabby, jabby, bad for splooch. Yeah, well, wow. I just the way that she I, has to word things has cracked me up. I mean, I have to give her so much love because yeah. she's been very creative, let's say, creative in the word <laughs> sense. Jennifer Markle, <laughs> I got to hang out with her again in Atlanta. She's like a sister. You know, when you see us yes. together in a picture, we're like, are you guys related? related? I mean, it's not, not yeah. uncanny. And yeah. of course, we have Jewish heritage background as well. And I don't know if that plays a role in it. But she presented uh, with me and Dell Bigtree at the same time at the uh, yes. the Next Steps conference in Atlanta, and she just lays it out. I mean, I, you know, I we've kind of set this show up as a, a primarily a family friendly, and we've had young kids listen all the way through their teen years. Now I've grown up on this show, and they know you too, Joni. It's so crazy, like Marlon Glenn's family, right? Yeah, like, exactly. One of the greatest example. Yeah, and, and you know, so for that reason, we've elected, and I, we're not restricted by FCC to not use, you know, certain language and occasionally it, it comes out. And, but the point is gratuitous use for And, and it's not like I'm against using it. I mean, you know, when super Don and I are off the air talking about some horrible things, it's like, we're letting it out and it's, it's cathartic. But when we turn on the microphone, at least for our, it's our choice because we, we want the kids to be, we want the parents to feel comfortable about having them listen to this stuff. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, yes, there's a harsh reality and language is utilized in ways that, you know, sometimes families don't want their kids to hear it. Uh, but I think Jennifer, she's like, sorry, I got to speak to you straight up. This is how I'm talking. And I respect well, if she were to say, and this is the thing, right? Like if she were to say those things, she would not normally use that language in right. common 
conversation, yep. right? right? But due to the censorship, you do have to find creative ways to say things. Yeah, and true. that was the one way that she could find it today. But I've been laughing about that for the four it hours that she posted yeah. it. And uh, yeah, she calls them the stabby jabbies and <laughs> just... You know, I mean, I think that the underrating of the, you know, bots, I think is, yeah. is that we're always as humans going to find a way to communicate and, and share the information. So censor all you want. It's never going to stop us. Nope. Only make emboldens us, in fact. So that Defender article is Pfizer COVID vaccine reduces sperm quality. But for how long? Uh, yes. You know, that would be something that would normally, if a dietary supplement did that, the FDA would pull it off the market yesterday and fine you and put you out of business. Of that a jabby, a stabby jabby, as Margulis says, does it? Eh, eh, who cares? Yeah. yeah. Yep. No, that's, it's not a big deal. It's, it's approved. Move on. Nothing to see here. Right. Yeah. So, Super Don, we got uh, um, a wrap <clears throat> on almost this show with Joni. I'm so glad you got to hang out, too, in bonus round here. Um just thinking if there are any questions or comments coming through the chat room. Uh, I see Kevin Tuttle's there. He was making fun of my hair earlier with Jonathan. Oh, Eagle. Kevin. Yeah, Kevin's amazing. And he got to do three minutes uh, for the ASIP committee, as he acknowledged right at the beginning, which was, I think was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, to say, look, I know that you guys on this committee are not going to hear anything I have to say, but this isn't for you. This is for everybody else that might, you know, have a critical thinking skill available or sell bat left. And as always, it was great. We might have to play it on the show. I'll see about that. Um, let's see. Any other comments, um, questions? I don't see any, but I might not be seeing what you're seeing. So, yeah. Yeah, we're lo I'm looking at the chat room at, at robertscottbell.com on our listen page. Oh, okay. Normally, great. we have a lot through Facebook, but they've tatered our Facebook Live for whatever yeah. reason. We're not even sure why. And they didn't give us a permanent ban, so we don't know how long it'll last. But regardless, we're going out through many, many outlets that uh, it's not as critical, but it's fun for people that make it easy for them. We're not trying to make it difficult on people, so. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So who's on tomorrow, Super Don? Tomorrow we have uh, Fiona Price. Um, she's got a, a website, The Ultimate Relationship, um, talking about, uh, you know, the, the ultimate relationship is the one you have with yourself, talking about spirituality and the making the best version of you. We'll <laughs> have her on in hour one, and then in hour two, Ann Butcher will be joining us. Ann Archer Butcher. That's right. Yay. And I Remember believe her book, be, Inner we'll, Guidance, was so great. Be and, previewing the upcoming event. Yeah, and I think also she's got a big story with her husband, Alden. They're like, you know, adopted parents to me as well. I love them. And a story called The Five Blue Rings. She might want to talk a little bit about that. That is so amazing. Just amazing. So um, that's coming up tomorrow. And, Joni, I don't know when next you're available, but it's been so long. I feel like I, I'm selfish now. <laughs> I want more. Yeah, no, I, I would be very happy to come back on. You just let me know when and what other rabbit holes we can get into because we can break down, you know, a lot of the things that I've been doing, a lot of things that didn't work, right? Like keto, yeah. the keto diet, right. you yeah. know, not at all. Um, the HCG diet was something I had a practitioner put me on where I injected yeah. HCG into my body and, and kind of adapted this limiting belief that because I had MTHFR, my body was never going to be able to lose weight no matter how much i worked out no matter what foods i ate because i wasn't absorbing b vitamins blah 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 and really bruce lipton's book right biology of belief you go back to that mindset of like i did the 40 days the you know the two rounds or whatever the one round of hcg and i with every time i injected myself i'm like this is violating my core belief system this is violating what i know to be true 
for myself and what I feel in my heart is right for me. Why am I continuously doing this? Mm -hmm. Right. But it's the disconnect from that intuition. It's the disconnect from that knowing that I violated against myself that I've had to apologize to myself for and go like, no, you know, I'm just going to choose to believe differently and things are healing and I can't explain it. I don't know, you know, how much further I have to go as far as like, you know, being at the optimal, whatever, but I, I really am loving where I am and, and loving going in this direction. Nice. Well, it's good that you have more loving people in your life than ever. Unfortunately, I got, you know, this, this comment from my buddy, Kevin, he says, something like RSB cuts his hair and becomes a moron. I mean, what, what am I dealing with here? What is that? I don't know, but I do think we probably should change some of the language that uh, we're allowing to be used here. Yeah. Maybe I'll have a conversation with Kevin. Hey, Kevin, I'll, we'll have a coaching session. Kevin, all he does is make me laugh and I try to make him laugh. And sometimes I catch him <laughs> off guard with stuff too. So no, yeah. Kevin's great. We love him and uh, love you, Joni. And I thank I you, you for too, being here again. You. Love to the, the girls, and uh, I can't wait to see if it works out that you can be at the, the Indianapolis event, the Red Pill Expo. Of course, we'll definitely see you at the Health Freedom Expo. Absolutely. Uh, but, and if you have an event coming up that you want us to let the world know about, just just give us a holler, text me, call me, email, or text Oh, I mean, I plan on having a dance party at the Health Freedom Expo talk, so make sure you uh, prepare yourself for that. I'm going to have, a, I'm going to try to get a live DJ. I think I talked to Julie about that. I was like, hey, I think I'm going to need a live DJ. And she's like, oh, okay. All right. So, yeah. No, I just, I think that we have to have a massive shakeup and a massive, We need to celebrate. Know, yes, yeah. We do. There's so much to celebrate, even amid the state of the world today. You know, we have to have that joy and and that love and i can't wait we got to find a way to laugh together and and again that's something you know i remember of all the times that uh we had our journeys together at the expos with liam with us and yeah we we found some just just some of those times we're side splitting with laughter in the midst of horrible things that were occurring and we knew it but we find ways to express our joy for being alive in the midst of all of that so thank you Joni, for helping us do that today oh you're welcome thank you robert all right, Super D, we wrapped it up. Another great show, I think. And we'll see you. I think so. God willing, less than 22 hours from now. Probably outdoors again. I don't know what's wrong with my computer, but <laughs> glad we were able to do this. And, and Joni's bringing the sunshine, too. Thanks so much, Rob. All right. Robert, well, thanks, you guys, guys have a great day. In. Thank you. We'll be see back. See you guys. Tomorrow. Thank you. Bye.